Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Welcome to the Horror Hangout, a podcast where film fans watch the best and worst horror movies of all time and talk about them. My name is Ben Errington, and today I'm joined by regular co-host, Mr. Andy Conduit-Turner. Hello, Ben. Hello, everybody. All all right? Uh, doing well, doing very well. Um, and we're also joined by a very special guest. Becky Sace is a freelance journalist for Metro, Digital Spy, Moving Pictures Film Club, and Ghouls Magazine. Welcome to the club. Club, welcome to the show, Becky. It's not like some w- sort of weird insiders club where you need a membership card. It's not. No, it's a nice club, though. <laughs> no, thank you very much for having me. Thanks oh, for joining thanks us. Joining us. Yeah, and very to chat excited. about a very exciting brand new release as well. There's hype everywhere. There's hype all over the internet, and usually that can mean one thing: two, one of two things: the hype is warranted, or the hype is not warranted. We were saying before we recorded, this year I feel like I've fallen on the side more times than not of it not being warranted. For me personally, live your own lives, everybody. But I found (laughs) that when when a lot of releases over the last 12 months have had lots of hype, I've seen them and that hype has negatively impacted my experience of the actual film. This one though, is it going to go the same way? Spoilers, it's not. I really liked it. I don't know what I I kind of had a feeling about this one where almost sometimes it's like the less you see, the more like a more confident I feel about it. So trailer, I didn't feel like we ever did with the trailers. Didn't feel like everyone's reactions were you have to see, talk to me. It will make you shit your pants. Yeah, or like there's one of those little people outside like, oh, I was really scared. I had to have ambulance come because I had a heart attack. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> uh, is, if it, basically, if a story is attached to any film where it says ambulances had to turn up because people were passing out in the aisles, I will actively avoid that film. Not because I think that's going to happen to me, but because I think bullshit. You've got to see the asterisks on that thing. It's like, ambulance called after man vomit and then underneath man had drunk half a bottle of whiskey and you know, had, <laughs> yeah and had been it's doing startups throughout <laughs> it's unrelated becky have you ever passed out because of a horror film 
I have not. I think the closest I've ever come is feeling really, really sick watching the first Terrifier. Very, very first time I watched that. Some of the gore oh, in that yeah. made my stomach physically turn. I think that's that's the closest I've ever come to a reaction like that. Yeah. Yeah. I was sick in a cinema once. I watched the last paranormal activity with a with a hangover. Mm. The ghost dimension. And I tell you what, the ghost dimension was doing nothing for for how I was feeling pretty wampy already. I was Chundering. Old, yeah, I was feeling rough. I had to go out and you know look at the go into the lovely cinema foyer toilets and listen to the calming music for for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't have gone out and list and looked at the carpet in a cinema, especially oh, like mate, an old cinema. Made you feel worse, but it was a it was Jesus. a modern sunny world, so it was all right. It was it was nice, yeah. but I couldn't stand any more of Toby's three D antics. I was like, enough, Toby. I feel rotten, rancid. <laughs> I think Terrifier is kind of understandable because something about the gore in Terrifier, like it just doesn't look. It looks ridiculous, but at the same time, it's almost like it's almost unlike anything you've ever seen before. So it's a bit like, okay, I get it, but it's it's pretty extreme. It's so relentless as well in the story, especially even with the second one, which weirdly didn't make me feel as sick. I think it's probably because I knew what to expect a little bit with it. And that was another one, like you say, that was really, really hyped up. So I sort of prepared myself for it. Whereas Terrifier, I went in completely blind. I did not know what to expect from it at all. I'm That's weird, really though, isn't it? Because what it was, yeah, and it's weird because I think in Terrifier Two, it's probably got the scene that is the most extreme out of either of those films, isn't it? And for gore, where you're just yeah. like, "Oh God, no, <laughs> please stop! I don't know where to look. Should I be watching this?" It kind of felt like that. Hey, I'll talk you... with Terrifier. Maybe the first on my the when I think Terrifier, I think of the upside down soaring from the from the first one. That's where. My mind yeah. goes to for shocking scenes. I feel like um, like Bart Simpson's analogy for hell. The Terrifier series becomes a bit like a hot tub, and you eventually get used to it. It's like, <laughs> oh, okay, nice. I'm into it by number two. Like when you put a frog. No, I've ever done this, but <laughs> was it supposed to be? You'd like slowly warm some water, and the frog would just sit there like, "Yeah, this is lovely," <laughs> until it's dead. That's yeah. horrible. Sorry, that's not true. They get out. It's fine. Don't worry. Do they? Yeah. they get out. <laughs> they leap straight out. Of course they do. Frogs are less stupid than we gave them credit for. I don't think a film has ever made me feel like nauseous or sick, but one thing I'll mention about this film is that the sound design was very, very intense. Um, and not in like a standard horror movie type of way, but like sometimes the loud noises were like really intense and like I don't know if it's just because just the cinema I was in, but the surround sound was great to the point where there were two or three occasions where I was like, What's that over there? Oh, it's the film. Like, I did just think, what is that? Is that a noise oh. in here? Or is that in the film? I, I didn't like the voice that. work we get in this as well. Like, the bleeding of the characters' voices, doing really subtle, like, accent and then voice pitch and tone changes to be the person that is um, yeah. in them at the time. It's really, really good. <clears throat> I mean, good fun, I think, as an actor, it would be to just go, now you're possessed by a bloated woman who they're like drowned do it and she's a little bit oh wait i've just remembered one bit as well oh the horniest ghost ever that ever did live or die <laughs> sorry no horniest ghost that ever did oh that's hor- that's horrific <laughs> that would be what happens to me i would put it off for ages and ages i'm not doing it no i'm not doing it and i'd do it and it'd be a horny ghost who wants a french kiss a dog copping off with your dog oh no, <laughs> i mean th- that that was pretty uncomfortable and the bit that got me the most was when it showed his hand like grabbing the dog's back as if to say 
Guess the pin, mate. Come a bit closer, mate. I'm loving this. Poor cookie. Um, okay, we will have <laughs> more more of that to come, everybody. That's the more, teaser. More of that to come, yes, of course. Um Becky, have you written anything about Talk to Me that's been that's been published anywhere? I've not. No, I've not yet. I'm, I've pitched pitched things all over the place. I do just want to talk about this film. It is so good, like we've sort of touched on already. For me so far, it has been my film of 2023. Like, I think everyone needs wow. to see it and needs to hear about it. Yeah, definitely. I think so, yeah, because... I think, as as you already mentioned, Andy, there have been some films that have got some hype, but also some like bigger releases that perhaps have been a bit disappointing. And for this to be um, an original concept film, I think is probably the most impactful original concept film for me since it follows. And I think it's kind of had it's had a bit of that comparison already, hasn't it? Yeah, as it got that sort of feel to it. Is that because it follows? Is is it follows a twenty four? No. I don't know, it's distributed, but I'd have to look. But I, I see what you mean with the parallels. It is like a new idea that has really, really strong like connections. And I feel like in both cases, if they were to make a follow-up, I would absolutely go and see it. If they never made another one again, I'd be perfectly satisfied. That's really, like, it's just such a strong yeah. concept. Um, I know that The Guardian work. have been describing this as this generation's Evil Dead as well. Oh really? Okay. Which I can also see. Yeah. Like I think it's... it does have a lot of it does have a lot of legs and a lot of mileage, and it, it does have bit... similar things as well. The possession in particular and how the people react to it. The sort of like playfulness of it as well, isn't it? Where that kind of works really well, and a debut feature as well for the uh, for the directors, which is in a way just showing off, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I really want to check out some of their YouTube stuff because that's where yeah. they done a lot of work right is it are they twins uh am i yeah, just adding yeah, wrinkles right. to their backstory no, no, they, they are twins but one of them's got like bleach blonde hair one's got dark hair it's just confusing oh, the <laughs> oh, they're not the same they're not they're not twins yeah so i think their their youtube channel is called left on red where i think obviously they've made shorts and various things like that but yeah i'm gonna have to um, check that out we will go and check it out uh right i guess we should delve into some horror news for this week a couple of a couple of news stories for us to us to cover there's a trailer for saw x or saw 10 um which oddly seems to take place between saw one and two which is because yeah, old old jigsaw's back in action again he's not dead he's not just cassette tapes at the minute at the moment he's just poorly <laughs> he's just poorly and for some reason Old, like 20 years older than he was in Saw 1, which well, is strange. You, it take, takes its toll on you when you're ill, doesn't it? That's true. It takes its toll on you when you're ill, and all you've got time for is making the most complex, complicated traps for people to learn kind of a shit lesson that you're going to kill them anyway. This one just um, feels like a revenge, though. So from the trailer, it appears that it's the early days of John Jigsaw being poorly, and someone telling him, oh, tell you what if you nip to this um unnamed central american country you can have this operation and you'll be you'll be all right again and he goes and he gets looked after and then the trailer shows him obviously going back for some more scans and so we're going actually he's still chockers with cancer mate they haven't done a they haven't done a thing 
They've just given so he, you a lollipop and a sticker and sent you back home. He travels to Mexico for a risky experimental medical procedure only to discover the entire operation is a scam to defraud the most vulnerable. Um, so I think he just... would have mentioned that in his previous films, wouldn't he? He said, Anna was scammed. <laughs> He's just fuming about getting scammed. Get over it, for God's sake. Leave a bad review on Google or Yelp or something and get on with your life, for God's sake. The unt- It's back for the untold chapter of Jigsaw's final games. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan. Becky, are you a big fan of the Saw franchise? I do. I do really like it. Oh, you do Saw. like it? Okay. I wouldn't even say it's a guilty pleasure because I, I just can't bring myself to just be guilty. legit love it. That's fine. How think... many times they bring Tobin Bell back, I'm, I'm going to go and see it. Even if they don't, I'm still probably going to go and Have see it. Have they already done like a sort of prequel with Tobin Bell? Have they not already done that in anything? Have they done like, because I thought we saw flashbacks in something where he's got the backwards cap on to make him look young. Oh, yeah. I mean, if they don't bring the backwards cap back in this film, I'm going to be very upset. How do you do, fellow kids? Yeah. <laughs> what is all that about? I mean, to be fair, I'm not best placed to judge the Saw franchise because I've only seen the first three and then whichever one it was with Chris Rock, Spiral. Spiral um, Book of Saw featuring Chris Rock. Cosplaying as a detective, but with Zippy's personality, hate sharing. Fuming. <laughs> that was, to be fair, that was supposed to be like a, a, a new start for the franchise, wasn't it? But it just it fucked it up. Then, do you think people just want the back to basics stuff, and they want Absolutely, characters they know? Yeah. yeah, I think a lot of people have said that as well. Like with the trailer and with the poster, it very much seems like it's sort of going back to the. The original sort of trilogy which i think a lot of fans are excited for and the trailer yeah. does seem to show that as well so ho- hopefully that that is exactly what it is what's the long yeah. tubes on the eyes all about i've only seen the poster i haven't seen the trailer yet oh i'm i'm not sure it's either something horrible is going to go into it or probably more likely something awful is going to come out of it oh Jesus. or he's got to think of really sad things only if you can fill this book it's like taskmaster <laughs> dangerous <laughs> <laughs> and it's like only if you can fill this bucket with your tears and be like oh i'm really sorry cry 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 i can't I don't think cry I've got enough tears in my body yeah, yeah you got to there's like a mate, creature in a bucket and you've got to drown it with your own tears and it leaks then. up and crawls up your eyes yeah oh it could be those it could be those piss fish but in your eyes <laughs> <laughs> not a piss fish what the ones that go straight up your yeah. delicate delicate yeah, but- yeah, the piss fish. That's what it's called. That's what scientists call it. I'll just call it a piss fish. Yeah, that's they love it. Little warm stream straight so up if, there. If you are, if you are pissing in the jungle, everybody do sprinkle. You know, thrash it about a bit. Make sure there's no continuous stream to make sure no piss yeah. fish can get you. But if you shake it, if you shake it more than twice, you're playing with it. Who said that? Good Charlotte. Someone said that. <laughs> Good Charlotte. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, my my big hope for Sorex or ten. Um, is that I hope the lessons that he goes into, I'm very happy because these people have scammed him that it might just be a straight up, I'm not teaching you a lesson, I'm having a revenge. And then maybe he picks up the lessons at the end. Um, yeah. But I what, I, like would, it when his what I'd like is to avoid like... is that the lesson, because I think as the series went on, like we went from the lessons of the first one, like, oh, hey, uh, Lee Wanell, Adam, you're 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 a horrible scummy bloke, and you take pictures of people having affairs to basically blackmail them. That's bad. Learn a lesson. All right, mm. Amanda, you do loads of drugs. That's bad. Learn a lesson. But by the time you've got to like Saw Four, it's like you, person who was a minor character who led the SWAT team in Number Two, you try really hard at your job to save everyone. I'm going to fucking teach you that you can't save everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those are admirable <laughs> qualities. 
learning lessons about things you don't need to learn lessons about. Jesus. Yeah. Horrific. So, you, you ate the really... last you ate the last <laughs> wagon wheel. You didn't leave any for any one of your family members. No, and it was a jam. And it was a jam one. Now you have to eat wagon wheels for the rest of time until you If explode. you stop eating wagon wheels, you'll die. Or like um yeah, just lessons that don't need learning or ones where that I know narratively it goes into the fact that whoever takes over the guy that in my head looks like um the chef from Saturday Kitchen when the FBI man who's the Saturday Kitchen presenter takes over I think he actually makes traps that are inescapable so they're not jigsaw traps so then jigsaw who the second after his diagnosis just began recording tapes has revenge on him see even now right my problem with the franchise is that it gets it so complicated that I just check out mentally and I'm not interested anymore. Even you describing it then, I checked out mentally. Yeah, sorry, Andy. No, I'm really right. sorry to say that. Also, funny you should mention this chef from Saturday Kitchen because he's in hot water recently, not literally, uh, for being rude to his staff. So he could, Jigsaw should get involved and show him, teach him a lesson. If you were Jigsaw, would you make his lesson about having really good manners or having to be rude so much? That you'd never want to be rude again. Either or, I reckon. Either or will work. I reckon just, I don't know. Who knows? He he's got one of his Jigsaw's faces. Right. <laughs> Call your mum a bitch to her face, or a bear trap's going to go off on her. Oh, I don't want to Jigsaw, please. <laughs> go on, I say all the swear words you know to your nan. Oh, fucking hell, Jigsaw! Oh, that's one of them. That's that's a green light. <laughs> I can not to my nan, my delicate, lovely. Lovely Nan. Go on, call her a bitch. No! <laughs> no, I can't, Jigsaw, please! This is the worst! <laughs> My head just... Sorry. I was Some of those something. things may or may Much not be worse happening. Much worse than bitch. <laughs> but but yes. I'm going to be looking forward to it. I'm going to go yeah. see it at cinemas. It's out September the 29th or something like that. I don't know when they pulled it forward from... Well, it's, it's pretty much October, isn't it? So... Um, do you want a yeah. good run towards October, right? Get get an extra weekend out of it. I probably do. I need to watch the other ones, though. I mean, I probably do. I don't know if I could. I couldn't live with myself if I just went and watched Saw Ten after only seeing Saw One, Two, and Three, and Spiral. I think that you could get weird. away with it. Yeah, I think, I think you could get away with it because I think, to a degree, they have given up that you don't have to have seen everything at this point. Especially as this is a back in the day chapter. In fact, the ones the ones that you've seen might lean into it very well because you don't know yeah. anything about James Martin being his apprentice. That's his name, James Martin. I was thinking. <laughs> Took me a minute. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm sure I'll check it out. So next piece of news I've got is that a, a movie called Whalefall, uh, which is a feature adaptation of Daniel Krause's aquatic horror novel, is in the works. I think this book only recently came out. Um, oh wait, no. Is scheduled to publish on August the 8th. So it's not even out yet. And they're going, get a film, get a film made of this. Uh, a scuba diver in search of his deceased father's remains gets swallowed by an 80-foot, 60-ton sperm whale and only has one hour to escape before his oxygen runs out. Jesus. Does How the many... tell him that? Or like Jigsaw style? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or... <laughs> How does he know he's only got one hour? Did he just what have happens? a look around the whale and calculate the oxygen capacity? About an hour. About an hour to get out of this sperm whale stomach um i guess it sounds more like a sort of single location horror movie where we're against the clock like 127 hours or buried just one hour example. just one hour yeah exactly stuck inside a sperm whale. can you imagine like if you had to make the set for that 
Can you do the inside of a sperm whale, please? Just uh, can you mock up the inside of a sperm whale? Yeah. yeah it's the advantage be... there is that not many people know what the inside of a sperm whale looks like, but it's dark. That's true. It all except. You'll have to get out in an hour. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Then they'll live to tell the tale. Didn't you like Pinocchio get swallowed? But I, know, I understand it's not a real he's a life. Little, he's a little wooden boy, though. Oh, yeah. Does he need to breathe? I don't no. know that about Pinocchio. But his dad's in there as well. So he's oh, got to get yeah, him out right. at the very least. You tell loads of lies and make your nose come out the blowhole and oh, signal for help. You could you could harpoon him. That's how you could get him. Let me out, otherwise I'm going to start absolutely fibbing my nuts off until you've yeah. been spiked. That's true. He wouldn't believe you though. Has has there been like a, a, a like a how many whale horror movies are there? I mean, I did recently watch Orca, Killer Whale, but how many other like? Um, I get. I mean, I guess the, you could say Moby Dick is in it, in itself a bit of a horror. Moby Dick, film. The Heart of the Sea, which is Chris Hemsworth vehicle, sort of about Moby Dick. Yeah. Um, Every David Attenborough documentary ever about the sea. Oh has God. Got a whale being evil. Well, a, a whale usually, being evil. Usually, they all are evil, aren't like, they? Drowning people in as cruel a way as possible. Deliberately killing baby seals or something along those lines. They're always the villains in these documentaries. Killer whales like eat the liver of things, don't they? Give me that liver. Eat sharks' livers as a delicacy. I've not heard that before. See, that's another reason. (laughs) Well, I mean, we as humans probably can't can't come at them too hard, but. Well, they're coming at humans pretty hard at the moment, aren't they? Killer whales, smashing oh, we yachts out of water. Yeah. Super yachts. Pe- people, Get out of the pe- water. Pe- people who own yachts argue they deserve it. Sorry, everybody. Yeah, so, just billionaires. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure how many billionaire listeners we've got. So, you know. Hang on a minute. Give them a chance. All right. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It'll trickle <laughs> down eventually, being honest. They bloody earned that. No, I'm joking. <laughs> okay, moving on from killer whales to killer sloths can you believe it oh, can I... you believe it there's a movie for a horror comedy called slother house oh, uh, there's, there's, there's a trailer right now title alpha is the killer sloth in new horror comedy from gravitas ventures guess his name of the company directed by matthew goodhue a horror comedy tells the story of a college senior emily young who aims to be very president of a sorority until <laughs> i mean that sentence up until this part Oh, yeah, yeah. Until a killer sloth threatens to ruin it all. So she's um, at risk of they... not winning the election because of the killer sloth. Yeah. Democracy rules. And so does free razor-sharp claws, apparently. It says, will this deaf sloth with free razor-sharp claws be too quick for them? Is it like a fast one, then? Or is it still moving slow? We'll have to watch it to find out. Is I it like a Michael Myers? sounds Mar- like a, an excellent pairing, and we can finally... Watch Shackma for the show. Do yeah, a... I love Shackma. Do, do a double, do a double bill. We've definitely not had a killer sloth in a movie before, though, have we? Almost certainly not. But Without I, I am comfortable enough to say no. I have always been of the, of the opinion that sloths are kind of creepy, especially when they're like wet. Like, have you ever seen a wet sloth like turn across a road in like? I can't say Columbia. I've seen loads of videos of wet sloths turn across the road in Colombia. Right, maybe just one. But it's horrific. I'm like, what on earth is that? You know, it was, you must have seen a picture of like a, a shaved bear or something. Yeah. It's all, it's all flaps like of that. skin. It looks like that, but long and thin and scary. And the sloth in this movie looks odd. It looks kind of feminine. It's got like 
it looks like he's got really long hair and a little panda face. I'm kind of scared of it already. I don't know if I can look at it anymore. <laughs> but it's bad. Right, Slother House. Get, the get it on the watch the, list, everybody. The poster is three sloth claws dripping with blood. Oh, there's another picture of the sloth. It looks like the sloth driving a car? Surely oh, not. Don't say any more, Ben. I'm already going to go and see it. That's one step too <laughs> far, right? I don't killer sloth I can deal with, but driving a car, not believable. <laughs> I can only suspend disbelief so far. Um, how about you, Becky? Are you, are you a fan of a of a creature feature, a deadly animal? Oh, absolutely. The more ridiculous, the better. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to the the Meg two coming out. I'm gonna be front oh, yeah. row. Hell <laughs> yeah! Experiencing the megalodon again. <laughs> front row. Literally, the Meg is gonna be bigger than ever. Front row. <laughs> exactly. That's what biggest the IMAX possible. <laughs> I'd like to watch this in super IMAX, please. But madam, no such screen exists. <laughs> Build one. The customer is always right. Can you get in that that 4D or whatever it is where you're like in a chair and just someone's throwing a bucket of water in your face? Sprayed in you. Yes. That's worth it. Um, awesome. That is, I mean, that is pretty much it for, I'd say, a very interesting section of horror news for this week. Sometimes it can be difficult to find stories to talk about. This week, no such problems. So, yeah, Thanks there we go. Thanks to House. Thanks to Slaughter House. Yeah, of course. Um, I guess now we'll just talk about what we've been watching for the last seven days or maybe more. Anything horror or horror adjacent that you want to recommend or not recommend? Becky, is there anything that you have seen recently that you'd like to discuss? The main thing I've been re-watching recently is Buffy the Vampire Slayer from start to finish. Very nice. Very, Fantastic. very nice. No, it's re- really, really enjoying that reliving it again. Although, unfortunately, I watched it with my eldest well I say fortunately unfortunately fortunately because originally she was really enjoying it unfortunately because I'd got it on the season where it's the episode with the gentleman I don't know if you remember it with the weird like floating yeah floating characters and it has scared the oh about, yeah oh, no it can't be back on oh, no. <clears throat> well, so that plan has been abandoned too th- sharing th- th- over buffet they're in more than one episode as well aren't they did they linger around for a bit I can't remember Oh no, I only remember them being in one. Okay, that's fine then. You can just tell her it's only one episode. It won't just come back. Your dreams forever. Then <laughs> I don't think she'll trust me ever again <laughs> to show her anything. Is it is it as good as you remember it being? Uh, I hate to say no because <laughs> Michelle Keller is just an icon. I love the series, but so, some of it definitely has an age well. But then some of it was better than I thought. Like the same season with um, oh, I forget what they're called now the institute or the initiative that's it with the initiative that's a lot better than i remember it being i remember really not liking that the first time that i watched it then second time around i've enjoyed it a lot more Mm. are the the initiative the people that have like cyber vampires in like an underground base oh oh, yeah yeah these are the ones yeah when they were putting chips into the vampires heads the sort of ghost army My my experience of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, having not caught it, apart from that episode with the ventriloquist dummy, the only episode of Buffy I've seen, is just from E4 adverts. So my entire context <laughs> for that for that series is adverts when it was rerun on E4. I'm pretty pleased with myself. I picked up the initiative from that. I bet that's their name. I did recently play the PS2 game Buffy the Vampire Slayer Chaos Bleeds. Um, and it plays really well. Like for what it's like twenty years, yeah, twenty years old, and you know it's one of those games where you think, oh, made made to go in conjunction with a TV show, probably not great. 
still good. I think it's all the original voice actors as well, or the original actors doing the voices. I mean, that's pretty cool. Okay. Anything else? I'm gonna add that to my list. Oh yeah, I think I found it in like a CEX and just for like four quid or something. I was like, hell yeah. Um, <laughs> anything else at all? Is that mainly it, Becky? So other than that, I've been sort of preparing for Fright Fest, uh, obviously at the end of this month, sort of getting my screeners in, reviewing the films. And my absolute number one I've watched so far has been Good Boy that is being shown at the oh, cinema. I've been writing oh, up wow. Good Boy for my same second round of previews. It looks, it looks really interesting. It is wild. <laughs> like, oh, wow. So it's like a... wild. Is it like a doll? Is that right? No. No, from the from the synopsis, oh, spoilers, I'm going to release this on our second load of Fright Fest previews shortly, everybody. But um, Good Boy is one of the things that caught my eye in the um, in the film lineup. And it is about a lady gets into a new relationship, goes to stay with. A, is, it, is he some kind of therapist? And he has a dog who is a good boy that is a man dressed up as a dog and she sort of accepts it that okay this is therapy for this guy wait but things are getting a little bit creepy yeah he's a millionaire that she sort of meets through a dating app and her friend oh God, sort of, like, she goes back, back to his house and then meets his meets his dog and realizes it's it's like an, it's a family friend of his what? that is dressed up as a dog that's really strange that's like strange relationship <laughs> Life imitating art. Have you seen that story this week about some guy who like spent twenty yes. grand to yeah. look like to look like what Lassie? Yeah, this dog is way creepier. But it seems like when I watched it, I thought this is going to be the twist. It's just going to be about this strange relationship with this dog. But so much more happens in it. It is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. For some re- essentials. I think that's the oh, that God, might be on a Monday. Horrific. I think. Might yeah, I think Monday. it is. Yeah. You get like creep, last creep vibes before I go home. Oh, it's so creep. Some of it is so uncomfortable. Yeah. Does it remind you of Creep in a way? Because that it gives me those. Even looking at the pictures, it reminds me of like Peach Fuzz in a way where I'm like, oh god, now. I think it was originally so called. I think it was originally called Me, You, and Frank because I think it made yeah. a change to be called Good Boy. Yeah. The reason I thought it was a doll was because I searched Good Boy and I think there's a film called Pretty Boy which was at Fright Fest a couple of years ago, which I got confused with. Um, this looks genuinely pretty horrific, right? Yeah, it looks really <laughs> exciting. So you say you've already seen it in full, Becky, right? Yes, yeah, I watched it like to review ahead of the festival and like without saying too much about it, it it's definitely been one of my highlights so far. There's a lot of great films coming to Fright Fest this year in general, but it's definitely been one of the little hidden gems. I think because I went into it completely blind, I didn't really know what was going to happen. And I definitely wouldn't have guessed where it was going either. Oh, I'm so excited for this. I feel like we've gone the other way. Previous Fright Fests, we haven't been there live. And our month in the run-up to it has been almost exclusively watching screeners back to back to back to see how much stuff we can manage to cover in time for the show. This time, because we're actually going to be there live for the first time, so we're going to be in London to do it all, we haven't pursued screeners as we normally would because we're actually going to be there so I feel I'm ju- we're just going to go away for a weekend and burn our eyes out by watching <laughs> endless movies. Yeah. But we'll I'm have to make sure we take see like good a, boy, like a, I, might, I might bring myself like a camel pack with water in, like, you know, bring myself some snacks. To see, to be see, done, how, see what, because there's all three of us going, so we're going to see what percentage of the thing. We're going to go away together and not see each other because it's like, right, we're all in different screens. Go. See you later. Uh, 
looking forward to it there and definitely going to be checking out good boy good I'll boy looks that. really really interesting i'll yeah, add definitely. that to the to the list most definitely um anything andy this week couple things for you all ben i've been uh catching up on a few bits one of them we've shared so we'll cover that when when with yours but um remember last week when i told you all about having seen prom night 2 colon hello mary Lou. yes now you, you picture in Mary Lou from the image of I told you about last time, like Carrie, but she is a ghost and has loads of sex now and is a baddie. Well, keep picturing her and then get ready for her to return in Prom Night 3, The Last Kiss. So whereas Prom Night 2 abandoned the premise of the original and um, went in a completely different direction, Prom Night 3 carries things on um, more directly. So we have um, another young boy, uh, not not the greatest bloke, you know, by, by modern standards, because he immediately has an affair with a ghost woman um, and thinks it's okay. Oh, I don't care if it's a ghost. Don't worry yeah, about it. Because okay. his girlfriend is incredibly unreasonable by saying, do you want to come away with me for the summer? When your mate is also going, do you want to come away with me on a road trip? Uh, um, uh, absolute chaos. The dog's running riot in here. Um, so yeah. Not as strong as the absolute bonanza that was the second one, but more of the same. There is a ghost, uh, there's a ghost, there's antics, there's quite graphic murders um, that happens because as part of this affair, Mary Lou is in love with this uh, male lead on this one and she like kills people that slightly wrong him. Like a teacher sympathetically gives him an F on a test because he does badly on it. And sympathetic that is F. Yeah, no, he genuinely gives him an F and goes, oh, sorry, kid. Um, but then as doing that, that is enough um, that is enough of a discretion for Mary Lou to appear as a candy seller and stab him through the hand with ice creams very pointy cones um, very specific so yeah. method of killing uh, I watched that um, I have, I'm edging closer to the, the end of um, Guillermo del Taro's Cabinet of Curiosity and another one of them called The Viewing um, which I wasn't hmm. sure I was going to like until the like it could have gone either way. It could have stayed quite bizarre and non-linear and kind of nothing happening at the end. And I was like, okay, this is going to be this is going to sink or swim on the ending. And the ending really landed it. It was really good. I loved the insanity that ensues in the ending of that piece. Um, and then aside from movies and telefilms oh no sorry one more film i watched tales from the dark side the movie an anthology story that has oh, um, yeah. stories from george a romero it has people and it has a story from stephen king in there like four shorts got a very young uh christian slater in it it's got debbie harry in there as well steve uh the scheme is in it as a student when he actually was talking to fellow fellow young fellow kids um it's a good bit of 90s schlocky horror but if you like things like creep show you will enjoy that that was a lot of fun but movies aside i did some reading while well, i completed a series of reading last couple of years i've been enjoying tom taylor's run dc comics um deceased um mm. which when i began reading the first one i was kind of skeptical i was like okay i've seen marvel zombies is this just a dc version of that it's going to be the justice league with you know, this person's a zombie now and what have you. I thought it was going to be a fairly simple lift and I wasn't going to get much from it. But over the course of this series, so it began with Deceased, which very quickly goes beyond 
just being a zombie thing. It has some really genuine moments of loss. It has some really good character growth. It has some real good depth to it. Then there were loads of side stories. Um, the Unkillables, which was really good. It's about people who can't be infected because they're either already dead or interesting. Dead Planet, which was a sequel to it, which is like coming back to a zombie-infested world and trying to actually put some hope into it. And it was really, really good. And then it ended with the one I read this last week, which was War of the Undead Gods, which is when a story that begins as like an Earth-based zombie story with all of your favorite superheroes in it becoming like a big, huge cosmic battle thing if you are a Justice League fan, DC Comics fan, just like big epic story, uh, comic storytelling. Really, really dug this series a lot. Artworks, artworks gorgeous for the, all the various teams that worked on it, but it tied up really, really nicely. It's a good epic thing, and I think it's fairly regularly on sale on most of your digital comic platforms as well. It's worth picking up. Sweet. Yeah, I've been meaning to check that out. Um... Only a couple of things for me this week. Um, did we mention Resident Evil Death Island last week? That's the one I said was going to be the one that we had together because I know we both watched it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we watched Resident Evil Death Island, the new animated Resident Evil movie. Becky, I don't know. Are you a fan of the Resident Evil films or games or are you interested in it? I've only played the games a little bit. I've mostly watched my husband play them because I, I do get really, really freaked out by horror games. I think there's something about like sort of playing it and being involved in the horror that really gets to me a lot more than the films do. But I've, I'd seen the TV show. I wasn't a huge fan of that. And I have seen the films before, but I've not seen the new animated film. Well, the animated films have kind of been quite hit and miss, unfortunately, most likely miss. But this one kind of looked interesting because it's got all like the main protagonists from the games Jill, Chris, Leon, Claire, and Rebecca all together. But the story was just a bit cookie-cutter basic, really. I mean, it, it takes place on... Um, where does it take place? Alcatraz. Alcatraz, that's it. I was like, takes place on bloody prison island. <laughs> prison island. And that's kind of interesting, like a new sort of place for it to take place. But standard stuff, a big bad with a plan for world, world domination... And that was kind of it. And the, the rules for infection, which was like, oh my God, you don't even have to be bitten to be infected now. It infected every it affected everybody immediately except the main characters, right? Yeah, they just get sick for exactly long enough before the cure can be delivered to them. They're like, oh no, yeah. I'm infected. I'm going to be a zombie any minute. Any I mean, it looks now. great. It looks great. It's probably like the seconds. best looking animated thing. This you know that's that's hyper realistic in terms of the animation oh, style cuts, I've cuts ever seen. Perfect, right? Like they look like the animated sections of of the games running on the best hardware. Right yeah, now definitely. But it was pretty disappointing. Did you feel the same, Andy? Yeah, I think character wise, they're very good at doing these characters in action. You can do cool little action beats with them. You can do things that you can imagine being in a game but they really struggle to have these characters relate to each other or talk to each other in yeah. non-combat scenarios so they're very good at doing like a little one-liner when like you know they're being chased down a sewer tunnel by loads of monsters going oh how many are there and then they blow something up and he looks back and goes none um you know they, they can do they can do things like that but then when they're like doing like a trying to do a bit of exposition or trying to go into what the relationship or try to let them have normal relationships. It's just like you're a kid doing a story and you're bashing your action figures together. I'm not sure they know how to. Yeah. I don't think they've given them, and you know, because they come from 
games and the depth of those characters is the weight you put into them yourselves as you played through those with them or mm -hmm. through supplementary material like books and so on or the files that you read and the things like they haven't got comparative to lots of other characters that have been around for this period of time that amount of shared dialogue together that you've actually ever seen them have for them to lean yeah. into I mean, it feels like as Resident Evil fans, we're eating good because there's so much stuff coming out. However, it's apart from the games, it's rarely that entertaining. So, uh, yeah, pretty disappointed. But you know, I'm kind of used like to it. I'm bloody things. used to it. I don't know how. Maybe it's just the algorithms that serve me things. But this feels like one of those things that I'll forget has existed, and then Facebook video to avoid copyright or play it slightly sped up and with slightly distorted sound and be like show a scene out of context and you know there'll be loads of comments and like, what's this from what's this what from? Yeah. this i want to watch yeah. that yeah, uh they, they serve well in those little like five minute snippets but it's yeah it's a hard sell yeah, for a full song um <clears throat> so off the back of watching jules 2 last week for our episode i watched orca one of the jules ripoffs this was another film that got discussed in the shark exploitation documentary this, this came out in 1977, so right off the back of Jules as well. And I don't know if you can really call it a Jules ripoff because it is a completely different story. I want to say that Richard Harris, who plays the main character, Captain Nolan, got a bit of fit, got a bit of a thing for this orca. It's not like he wants to kill it because he hates it. It's like he kind of loves it, or maybe it is very, very strange. There's loads of weird like close-ups of his face, like after he's thrown thrown like a harpoon at this orca. Go on. Yeah, like, oh, you big, scary bastard. You wait till I get my hands on you. Um, but apart from that, you know, it's not... It's really strange soundtrack. Like, I'm pretty sure... I have to confirm this, because I'm pretty sure I saw it come up. But I think it might be Ennio Morricone doing the soundtrack. So it doesn't, okay. feel, like a, it doesn't feel like a horror film or like a sort of um, creature feature or anything like that. It's got this weird, like, whimsical... It's a love story. I'm gonna come out and say it. It's a love story. There's a man. There's a man who like lost Alan his Orca. wife. There's a man who like lost his wife for to, to something. I can't remember what it was. Orca. And then he goes and kills this orca's wife. So in a way, he's like, I'm just like you. We're both the same. But but the orca wants to kill him, and he wants to kill the orca as well. But it's almost like they're like, why can't we just be friends? But I'm gonna murder you. They only stopped for a minute to think about how they were the same, and instead of how they were different, then yeah, you know, who knows? It's it's pretty naff. However, the finale is quite good, I would say, because it's not like a standard finale. It doesn't like go, oh, now it's just them, those two left together. It kind of like takes it somewhere completely different to where the rest of the film is set, and it it's got some good visuals. So yeah, I like that. Are, are there all sequels that we can look forward to? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that might have been it. One and done. Which is strange, really, because they always go. This orca, because I think they do show it. Do they show this or do they imagine this? I swear there's a bit where there's a shark and then you're like, oh no, there's a shark. And then it just gets destroyed by a couple of orcas and you go, just that oh, real I life. See that they're not scary at all. Orcas are the things we should be afraid of. And the only other thing I've watched this week is I went back and tried to start again Hannibal. Now, so this TV show, the Mads Mikkelsen TV yep. show. Um, either of you two seen Hannibal? Are you a fan? started it and then never never finished it i don't, I don't that's know exactly why. I enjoy that's what exactly I me <laughs> andy i got almost to the end um oh. i really loved hannibal like how many seasons are there four three 
Okay. And I think the third series ends on like a cliffhanger. Yeah. And then it got and then it got cancelled, didn't that it? That was it. So I think there was a big gap between two and three. So series one and two, Karen and I watched it. We really loved it. We really looking forward to season three. Season three is an unusual start. Um, I think discourse at the time, I think reviews are like this has gone so far off its own ass, it's unbelievable. Um <laughs> and then we start we we still were watching it, we were getting along with it, we were we were watching it, and then I think there was something like we had it on a TiVo box or something like that. And then we changed providers or we changed units and we'd lost the ones that were recorded when we hadn't watched them and it wasn't on a streaming service. So we just fell off it. And then we heard it had been canceled. So when it turned up on Netflix, I was like, well, that's a cliffhanger that's never going to be resolved then. So like many series yeah. that I'd quite enjoyed. It's a cliffhanger that's never going to be resolved, but maybe you, you could momentum. make of it. Yeah. I'm going to, so I watched the whole first series and I even found tweets of mine from 2013, not, dodgy tweets they're going to get me cancelled anyway they're all above board and fine i think annabelle was right actually but basically (laughs) but basically i was going annabelle's a load of old shite i watched season one and i'm so bored but i kind of thought maybe 10 years later maybe i'm less of a twat i don't know but i'll try it i so i'm five episodes into series one and i gotta admit and i keep getting told it gets better and all those things i can't bloody stand it <laughs> i've got i've i've got i got to put it out there it's so pretentious it is so complex without needing to be it introduces like serial killers and then it goes yeah that serial killer we've introduced has got a really good really interesting mo uh and they're a really interesting character because th- this could this could change everything we know about this series as we th- we've caught them um... what's captured that? arrested captured we've captured them how'd you do that then this, we got this. Us. We got this fella here, and uh, he's basically like Sherlock Holmes, and he can go into a mind palace and and work oh, it all this out. Oh, when he, got, oh, he, yeah. he does like rewind. He does like Batman yeah. Detective. Can't stand that stuff, fun, doesn't he? He's like, this That's is my rubbish. design. This is my design based on what? That's rubbish. I hate the fact that the only thing that's kind of interesting is the fact that Hannibal is kind of like he's like the puppet master and making everything go. But it's it's pretentious. It's full of dream sequences. I don't know if I'm coming or going. I'm watching something going, oh, this is interesting. What's going on here? Fucking dream sequence, isn't it? For God's sake. I'm trying I to think cannot... of like, things that have got you cancelled from the past night. Because, and Freddie Routlounge is a woman. Oh, my goodness. This is Wait, erasing male characters out there. I don't remember this. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, so like a famous. That's, what, that's what you tweeted in 2013. I love I the books. And I love I love Silence of the Lambs. But Silence of the Lambs is a perfect film. I think the other films, not so much. However... I, I feel like I understand enough about these characters to know how they work in some ways and not in others. And I just think this series just seems to, it's all, it's all style over substance. I feel like, I feel like if you can't explain to me what the, the plot of the first series is in like two sentences, then what's the point? Like my, my partner, Charlie, she's like, Oh, you just got to have some patience. This gets better. It's this and that. And I go, well, explain to me what's going on there. And she goes, well, there was this killer and uh, he was doing this, but then they caught him and then there was a copycat and then they caught him, but then they got this. <laughs> I just can't, I can't, I've got no time for it. And she's like, you're just stupid. You just don't understand it. It's too complicated. You should understand high drama. You can't understand this. You can't understand Rick and Morty. What do you know? What do you know, Benny? <laughs> I just think it's, it's, yeah, it's just too complex. And it remind, and I was comparing it to something like True Detective, where series one is like the one of the most perfectly well-balanced, like tightly knit, lovely, um, like killer, killer dramas. Whereas Hannibal is just like, oh yeah, you know, we've got that character who's a, who's a cannibal. Oh yeah. That's it. That's all we need to worry about. 
Or is he going to get but, caught one day? Or is he going to be a big stag in a dream? Who knows? Well, he's not going to get caught one day, is he? Because he's once Hannibal. Will, once and we understand knows it. that he's a stag, once he realises that that stag with Mads Mickelson's face, but stag antlers, is his brain telling him that Hannibal's the baddie, he'll be straight on it. I'll tell you what's good. Manhunter. Ever seen that film? Great. Brian Cox, not the astronomy guy, the other one, as <laughs> as as Hannibal Lecter. That is an amazing film. Not as good as Silence of the Lambs, but amazing film. I'll go and watch that instead. Is that all right? That's where I'll be. You can you can do that. But you've started, right. Nevin. I know what you like. You're a completionist. You are going to watch it, aren't you? <laughs> I might have to. I don't like to be a negative Nancy. I'm really sorry. So I'm going to put that to one side and move on to... Don't, don't apologise for having a bit of negativity, Ben. You know why? There's such a thing as toxic positivity as well. You haven't got to be positive about anything. You're allowed not to like a thing. You didn't say that you didn't like it because they changed one character to be a woman. I the thing is, say that. the thing is, though, it, 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 I think in the in the horror in the horror world, a lot of people do think it's great, and of course that's fine. But I'm almost annoyed because I'm like, I should like it. It's got all of the elements of something that I should enjoy. I enjoy the books. I enjoy Silence of the Lambs. I, I'm frustrated that I'm not into this, if that makes sense. Oh, on paper, Ben, mm. I should love Ready Player One, but got through two chapters. Oh, yeah. I'm like, oh my God, no more, please. <laughs> yeah, too many. Uh, Yeah, exactly. You can have too much of a good thing. Okay. Um, But yeah, let's move up. Leave that negativity behind. Let's move on to the film of the week, which is what we're all here for to discuss. Talk to me. Come on and talk to me. Um, which is brand new, brand spanking new in cinemas this week or last week. Becky's seen it twice. Did you get did you see it in cinemas both times? Yes, the first time I'd gone to a press screening, like see yeah. ahead of time, and then I'd seen it when it came out as well. Yeah. Did you go to the press screening where they actually had the hand? No, no, this was one that was in Birmingham. Where was one they had the hand? I think it might have been London, yeah. There was like a screen. It's always in. London. It's always very London. <laughs> I would have, I would have just taken it. I would have gone. I'm having a hand. Give it here. Um, <laughs> so, talk to me is a 2022 Australian supernatural horror film directed by Danny and Michael Philippou in their feature film debut. Um, it's written by both of them, and the concept was by Daily Pearson. Daily Pearson's gone. I got a concept, lads. Right, listen to this, and they've gone. Give it, give it us. Um, so yeah. It stars Sophie Wilde, Alexandra Jensen, Joe Bird, Miranda Otto, Otis Danji, and Zoe Terakis. Um, And the plot is a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand. They become hooked on the new thrill until one of them goes too far and unleashes terrifying supernatural forces. I mean, I never thought that for a second. They're going to go too far and it's going to go wrong. Surely not. This is fine. This is faultless. Trust teenagers Um, with your life. Yeah, uh, so it's got 7.5 on IMDb. It's got a Rotten Tomato score of 94% critics and 82% audience score. 3.7 on Letterboxd and some choice reviews from Letterboxd are Cinema Joe says, Terror Incarnate, a movie that will gnaw at your soul and consume your spirit. The future of horror is in a very good hand. Four stars. Um, Aaron says, maybe the real horror was the crazy frog ringtone. Three and a half stars. I mean, that bothered me. If I had to hear it once, it would have been fine. But it happened like five times. Get that phone on silent. You're a what, a Gen Z. You're not spell. That, that phone should be on silent, especially in hospital. I'm 40 How years rude. old and I never have my ringer on. Come on. Well, I saw this recently. A few people discussing on Twitter. 
years ago, we used to pay money to have the best polyphonic ringtone you could, the money could buy, your favorite song. Now, nowadays, my phone, if there's an emergency, I'm screwed because my phone is on silent <laughs> at all times. It's also always in your pocket, though. So <laughs> that's true, but all night. Like, if anyone needs to get, I mean, to be fair, if you want to get hold of me at night, the bad things already happened, right? <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, so Aaron gives it three and a half stars. Regal says, well, this got out of hand. Five oh, stars. Very good, Regal. Uh, and Seth reviews, unexpectedly silly, confrontational, and creepy. Four stars. Um, there weren't, to be fair, it was one of those where the negative, there weren't many negative reviews. There were a handful of negative reviews, but they didn't seem to be like justified or funny. So I didn't, didn't well, include yeah, if, you, if you're going to do a negative review, at least make it funny. Otherwise your opinion doesn't count. So yeah, exactly. Um, so obviously Becky, you're probably a bit more well versed than us to discuss how much you liked it. Cause you've seen it twice. So I'm assuming that going back for more meant you're a fan. Yeah, I absolutely loved it. Sort of going into it, I wasn't hundred percent sure what to expect because I loved the trailer. I thought exactly like you did. It sort of didn't show too much and sort of, balance a nice line of being creepy but I thought oh is it is it sort of misleading us is it not really going to live up to the expectations I really really thought it did I thought the atmosphere created in it was just perfect it's a real slow burn horror it really grips Mm. you from the first scene and then really takes it back down so it really works up to the scares in the main storyline and I, I just think it's fantastic and the themes that it deals with within they're just so complex and they're handled so poignantly and so sensitively alongside the horror that yeah. I, I think it's a real experience. Like, I didn't expect to go into it and leave it like sort of upset. Like it did make me cry the first time I watched it, a certain scene oh, wow, okay. in it. I, I was really, really surprised by what it tackled. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing on the surface, you might go elevated horror, uh, grief, is being used as a metaphor in a way. Um, we've seen it all before, but I really didn't feel like that. I all felt like everything it dealt with, like you said about the complex themes it dealt with, it dealt them in a, with a, in a really interesting way. All these characters are incredibly complex. All their relationships with each other are complex and unique. Like I kind of felt like that. And yeah, in terms of the scares, they feel earned, don't they? And I mean, very little in terms of jump scares, but I think the sound design was kind of part of that. The fact that it didn't kind of want to hit you with these big shrill violins when there were big scares and things rushing at the screen. Sometimes it felt like it was going to do that. And then it kind of takes you off guard in, in the way that the scare was actually delivered. Um, and so much more effective, I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I jumped a couple of times, but I do jump at everything. I think it's the yeah. first time you do see one of the ghosts. Because you sort of don't expect it. You see, you see yeah. people affected by the hand and you don't see anything. Yeah. And I didn't expect to see anything. And I mean, you don't see too much in the film. You don't see the spirits that much. It is more based on their reaction and the things they think they're seeing or are seeing. Or mm. it's sort of that sort of ambiguity. Whereas the first time you are, you see you see a ghost from Mia's perspective it is it really shocked me and it's only for like a split second if that you don't really mm. get enough time oh, to yeah really getting all the details of what she's seen which must be exactly th- how she reacts as well because she closes her eyes pretty soon afterwards yeah as well. i mean that's pretty much what you would really do effective. but yeah i mean in terms of jump scares i mean not there were like less traditional jump scares i guess i mean i definitely jumped like there were two or three times where i jumped or was kind of like 
fighting with myself to like look away or not or keep watching um but yeah incredibly effective i think it's Andy. really well done though because your your reaction to that the thing that makes you jump is a sudden visual that is unpre- unpleasant or takes you aback it's not because fundamentally how yeah, we've just done a loud noise after a quiet bit i think that's yeah. very skillfully done um australian cinema is turning out some good horror um, i rate like doesn't matter where a film comes from good and bad things can come from anywhere but i do find um like the french the australians have been having a pretty good hit rate with me recently like the films that i'm picking up that come from those countries and uh, they get picked up in for international screenings that we're reaching that are reaching us over here i'm finding i'm, I'm really engaging with and enjoying um so mm. yeah it's always a big watch i didn't actually know this was australian going in um until i heard people talking and i think that's a nice so i saw the kangaroo and then i was yeah. like hang on a minute oh hang on a second <laughs> no until i heard people talking like then then it becomes apparently clear because i was talking about this with someone at work today americans don't say oi Whereas it's one of the first things when the brother goes into the party that he goes, oh, like, yeah. Oi! And it's like, yeah, it's funny they didn't say that. But um, for me, an interesting thing to think about in terms of like cross-culturally as well, like I think watching a film like this, it resonates certainly with me, Real. I'd be really interested to get the take of what it is like, you know, what Australian audiences have thought of it, you know, where it is more familiar to their lives or American audiences. For me, Australian cinema and seeing things like Australia on screen it has more familiarity. I think culturally they're probably more similar to us than we are to the US. We have shared languages and so on, but there's a lot of crossover in our culture. So there's a big familiarity to me as a British person watching an Australian film, but yet it is still, you know, the, the differences in there, in climate, in in some choices of slang words, and, you know, just the, you don't have that familiarity, you know, Ben, I know you've spoken about watching films that are set in Bristol or series set in Bristol. And like, that's not how it works. That's not what the city's like and things like that. Like, Hang on a minute, we'll run the corner and then you end up somewhere 40 minutes away. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah, look, you do have that degree of separation, which it works and will conjure it follows again. It follows does it very well in making it ambiguous as to what the time period is because you have fashion and cars oh, yeah, from the 70s, it. but then mobile phones, but not contemporary mobile phones. In this one, there is, because of the the distance, certainly for us as a UK audience, there's familiarity, but there's also difference, which I think leans in, certainly for me, to the, some some of the unease it can create. Um, I can yeah. see a lot of Australian media, so I find it very comforting to watch, though. It was great. It, I had a, a lot of fun with yeah. it. Um, and a lot of really good performances as well, right? Yeah, performances are really solid. I think, I know we say it anyway, and when we go through these films, we will inevitably we are going to go blow by blow on the plot and we will be doing spoilers especially because it's new especially because i think people should very much go and see it normally i'd never tell you to pause and get me out of your ears for a minute people listening but if you haven't watched this yet one of those rare occasions where i will actually say pause we'll be here when you unpause it go see it go see this first before we go blow by blow only if you are completely unspoilable or Maybe if you're a little bit scared, but knowing what's going to happen will mean you can go and enjoy you're a bloody it. Bloody whim! Isn't too intense. That's all right. It's room for all sorts. Um, but yeah, maybe if, great you're, if you're if you're experiencing these vicariously through us, then use this to take the edge off, and then go and see it because I would recommend anyone go and yeah. see this. I think definitely go and see it. It's probably my favorite 
original horror movie in possibly a couple of years. Maybe. I mean, I might need to remind myself of everything I've loved over the last few years, but maybe one of the most impactful original horror movies since It, it Follows. Yeah. Um, and definitely going to be, you know, someone goes, oh, you know, horror movies, recommend something. What shall I watch? This and you recommend some things. And then, they, yeah, this is going to be right at the top of the list, I think. Um, but yeah, performances. Sophie Wilde's great as, as Mia. I don't think I've seen her in anything before. Um, but a very interesting character, a very complex character. You kind of find out more about her as time goes on. And not necessarily a character that is, you know, so what word am I thinking of? Like a, a protagonist who you kind of are constantly rooting for. You kind of see this evil, like eating away at her and seeing her change. And you can kind of predict what she's going to do next. And you're kind of like witnessing all of these changes in her personality along along the way. Um, but yeah, all the supporting cast were good as well. Obviously, Joe Bird in particular as Riley was great. Miranda Otto, who obviously, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, you'll recognize as uh, she stabbed, what's his face, in the face. <laughs> What's his yeah, face? Not... Got the Witch King right in the gut. Got the Witch King right in the face. I am no man. Stabbed in the face. It's like shit. Um, I've been loopholed. Bastard. <laughs> Jesus. Um. So obviously great to see her. She she was awesome. But I think yeah, all the supporting cast are great. Even like really bit part players. I felt like they really fit well into this world that had been crafted of like teenagers and sort of sneaking out of houses, going to parties and stuff. And but also I think a great a great cold open as well yeah it's phenomenal cold, cold open i guess we'll go into that right now because it was one of the first bits this is where in this cold open i think i mentioned before we started recording I had some obnoxious people in my cinema that only started talking as the film began having been really quiet for all the adverts. that's when you're supposed to be quiet for the adverts and the trailers and when the film starts then you can talk that's the rules. Uh, immediately, like we've all lost some degree of social skills and control after a couple of years of lockdown. I was like, oh, maybe they just need a bash in the head. Like, <laughs> like, like. But um, as <laughs> soon as we got into this cold open, as soon as things happened at the end of this, I had they were stunned into quiet. But yeah, we begin. I think this film demands your attention, doesn't it? Yeah, it's one of those films. Like there are plenty of modern horror films where you like it's kind of like a a, a theme park. Uh, sorry, like a fairground ride, where you're like enjoying the scares and maybe in the quieter moments you're kind of talking to your friends about the moments you were just scared of. Oh god, did I get you? Yeah, shit myself. Um, whereas this film, it just it just demands your attention from the from start to finish. Yeah, yeah. So it's very apparent very quickly you're in Australia. So you see, it's almost like a yeah. It's not. It's not full steadicam, is it? It's almost like a little bit chaotic. We're following this guy as he goes into like a really raucous yeah. uh, teenage house party. And he's like, oi, where's... And he's calling after someone. It becomes evident that he's there to find someone who's at Duck this it. party. Duck it. Where's Duck it? They go, oh, he's, he's here. He's there. He's everywhere. And then they they he finds him uh, locked in a room in uh, in the house. And the mom of the family is in, said, oh, he's in there. And then the, the kid whose house it is, is there trying to get him to come out. And the his, the brother puts the shoulder to the door. It's like a really good, um, I, I didn't detect any cuts. It kind of follows him through the house. It's, so it's fairly well yeah, single-shotted. Like single yeah. And then he's puts a shoulder to the door, properly like dents it and breaks it before the lock goes. Goes and gets his brother out and then... Typical. We we see her in the modern era because as soon as he's getting out, he's like, 
disturbed shirtless looking kind of gaunt he's like is he like covered there. in scratches is that right yeah he's he like scratches on his body covered in like injuries isn't he he's got like some welts and bruises and scratches and he's it. sort of like talking to himself as well yeah he's muttering along as they as they come along and of course it's a modern film so as he does this out everyone's got their oh, i don't know about this everyone's got their phones out <laughs> it's a bit out of order isn't it like just because he's wasted to get your phone out out of order but completely legit you see it you see it all the time right like whether it's yeah, a concert so. or you know a car crash every idiot's got their phone out the second they're there never comes out lads if you like unless you're actually getting it for proof it's never going to be the same just watch um just watch and enjoy record and this video of fireworks everyone enjoys that while <laughs> he's um while he's telling people to put their phones away and like kicking off he's doing some more always oh he can't don't do that and then um and then he, out of nowhere, like as an audience, we're blindsided, as characters are blindsided, his brother grabs a knife from the side, the one that we saw the mom like chopping salad with a minute ago, um, stabs his brother, goes outside, and then does he stab himself in the eye? I think he, yeah, yeah, he stabs he, in the head. Is it just in the head? Yeah. I kind of thought at this moment, well, that they're both dead. I didn't think for a second that one or both of them would have survived that because it seemed like stabbed so it was Cole was the brother it seemed like he got yeah. stabbed right through the chest right I guess he must have got him in the in the shoulder or something because spoilers yeah. he comes back a bit later but yeah for as far as we know at this point that guy who has been shown to be you know physically quite a capable character we've just seen him like march into a party for the people that weren't particularly helpful to him um, he's <laughs> shouldered a door open so it's someone who's physically capable and as far as we know as an audience, is our main character at this point. Um, dispatched and is out of out of scene. If he hadn't returned yeah. later, he could have just been dead. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then the guy like leans back and then... Oh, it's another one of those disturbing things because it's not particularly a natural movement, right? It's not like, you know, you know, you might see someone plunge a knife into their heart or slash their wrists if they were self-harming or something disturbing like that but pretty much it is almost like his hand is being guided or moved by someone else it is quite um unnatural in the movement very very quick but gets himself in the in the head or face right in the head yeah with the the knife uh and then pretty quickly we're introduced to to the other characters so the main character mia 17 year old mia she's struggling with the second anniversary of her mother Rhea's suicide and but this isn't necessarily apparent at this moment isn't it um one thing i think that's represented really well here in terms of like grief is that she's got like a really emotionally distant relationship with her dad mm-hmm. um and you know we've probably seen this done not so well in 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 movies in the past um where you know some there's so they've lost a family member and maybe they're kind of just getting on with the life as usual, or maybe like a dad's like, "Come on, we've got to got to live our best life for the person who's missing." But this is it kind of seems more realistic. Like this is probably what would happen: two people dealing with grief in two very different ways, and that in itself is making them feel emotionally distant because there's nothing bringing them together because they're coping. Obviously, Mia's got a life outside. It seems like her dad is very sort of alone, very like isolated, very isolated. He sort of tries to communicate with his daughter he's always and... trying to ring her and she's just like yeah you see what... several times that kind of is what kids do though isn't it how old are you how old are your kids Becky? Uh, mine are two and eight months so they're still very little 
Oh, right. Again, they are a little one. My, my daughter's 13, so she's definitely, definitely leaving me on red. And <laughs> uh, she does answer off. the phone. If I ring her, she answers the phone. She just doesn't respond to messages. That's kind of it. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I was, I was kind of, oh, yeah, I understand that. I get that. But then 17-year-old me, like, it's, gonna, it's probably going to be much more like that. Um, and But she's kind of seeking solace in what you would kind of think of as, like, a second family. Yeah, she. I think she drives into, uh, yeah, like... They have a separate situation. We don't see a dad in the other family that with with her friend's family. But I think yeah. having the comfort of having a, a mom, having a younger brother to take care of, she leans into that. Whereas she is visually and, you know, we're told that she's kind of phases her dad out. So you already mentioned you see quite often he'll phone and she'll hang up. Yeah. I There's really a bit when like she's like opening bit when she's washing her hands. Yeah, that's it. And the dad never comes into focus. Yeah, so, that was you know, good. you'd almost be forgiven. For Loads thinking, of oh, stuff so like is the dad a ghost or imaginary? Because like but he isn't. He's just and not the focus of her life. So he comes in like she and it's really nice and innocuous. It doesn't have to put too much of a pin in it or be too on the nose by going, Why won't you just talk to me? It isn't like that at all. Mm. It is oh she sneezes yeah. while she's washing the dishes and she goes, oh, are you are you getting a cold? And she's like, oh, no, I'm fine. Uh, and then it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you, how was it today? And he's like, uh, the memorial service that she was just like, oh, it was fine. And then we're very quickly seeing that she's not just incapable of relationships and she's not just, um, you know, just really shut off from everyone because then her phone goes and she immediately picks it up and it's like, hey, okay, I'm on my way. I'm coming mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Really, really nicely done. There's lots of really good things like that, like in terms of the cinematography. Um, just these little subtle visual cues that kind of make us understand a little bit about a, the, the relationship between two characters or perhaps like a little hint towards something that's happened before or something that's going to happen next. It's just really good. I think it's just in terms of visual storytelling, it, it is great because how many times... No, I'm not just talking horror. I mean, just like some some other modern films... You're spoon fed so much in terms of visuals, in terms of dialogue. You're really just told within like a couple of minutes, this is the relationship between these two people. And it's not really going to stray from that ever. When we know that that's not how life is, like human relationships are so much more complex than that. Um, it, often it's what's not said that is probably more important than what is said. So I was already in these first couple of scenes, I was like, okay, I like where this is going. I feel I, I fe- feel at ease already, but yeah. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. I'm sort of the same sort of mindset. I don't like it when it films like you go in. It could have been like, oh, how was the two year anniversary of your mom who died by suicide? Oh, it was great, father. I'm now going to see my best friend and her brother. I'm really not a fan. Of <laughs> yeah, yeah, hundred <clears throat> percent. Plunges the audience in as if you just met these people. Like if you just met her on the street, her life yeah. is continuing when you're not there. Yeah. So it assumes that you've just got to catch up as she yeah. goes on. I like that because it adds, <clears throat> adds to the realism of the story. And it should respect his audience to be able to do that. Like films should. They should be able to. Yeah. Because even a couple of times, there was a couple of times I forgot about the dad. And I was a bit like, so what's the situation here? I was almost like, is she, is this her family? And then, because it was so believable, you know, it was so, it felt so real that, and I went, oh, no, no, of course she's got a dad. I forgot about that. Um, so yeah, just making up your own mind and sort of understanding the the levels of these relationships is really well well done. But I mean, the the, the performances were good to make that feel real as well. Um, 
all very different characters as well. So obviously you've got Mia, who's obviously dealing with grief, but she's pretty outgoing when she goes to pick up Riley. They're having a little bit of a sing-song in the car to see grade, her. Grade A car singing, right? Because this is where we go now. So we meet Riley, who we quickly learn is her best friend's brother. And, her, and his mate. Yeah, and his mate, old... Um... But even this, right? Even this, sorry, I don't mean to like gush too much, no, but even this, a very small couple of couple of lines of dialogue between these two and i'm like i know so much about their friendship just from this one guy kind of sensible and less bold the other guy's like he's sparking up a couple of durries but and he wants (laughs) to be the um well he he says oh he says something like someone on snapchat looks elvish and he goes looks what and he goes elvish like elves like the fantasy character he's like shut up (laughs) (laughs) yeah he looks quite elven yeah um, and he yeah, looks like guys, Elvis. He looks nothing like Elvis. The guy's sparking up the <laughs> sparking up those darts, and he's like, "Do you reckon they give you cancer immediately?" So it's he has yeah, a friend did. who wants to be like more grown up and tries to be like the big I am and the cool kid, but they it, very quickly like again in other thing in other films in lesser films I think you would need to say, "But we're only thirteen years old." We don't have to. We don't have to do that. You can tell from the things they're talking about and the things they're experimenting with, and then just those little interactions in the characters. Because then uh, his his friend has a, a cigarette lit, and that's when Mia pulls up and she goes like, "You smoking now?" She goes, "Ah, no." She goes, "All right, enjoy your cancer, mate. See you in a while." Like they have that relationship, and that's when we get your lovely bit of car singing. See, great to see the actors just like going for it and not like doing a performance but just the direction on it obviously was just like right go mad and like sing this song as if you're having a sing song in the car um really naturally done really having a lovely time until they see horrible injured kangaroo in the road oh god i mean what was going on here some sort of animatronic it must have been absolutely horrible but that's where i thought something was going to happen because i we know that kangaroos can be quite dangerous. I was convinced something was going to happen there. After the cold open and being shocked by that, I thought, what's going to happen now? And then obviously nothing does. Yeah. But what I kind of liked here is obviously the can- the visual of the kangaroo, uh, we get to revisit a little bit later. <laughs> but we also, like Mia's given the choice to put someone or something out of their misery by running it over essentially so the, so the kangaroo's been hit by a car it's making some terrible noises like horrible noises and riley's like just put it out of his misery and you think she's gonna run, run it, over. it over with a car but then she can't and she doesn't and i like how that is kind of a, an inter- interesting thematic idea the sort of revisited again later um yeah i mean it's it's one of those films where you're like I need to like think more about what this visual kind of meant. And perhaps it doesn't mean one thing or another. It's kind of up to me to, uh, to understand it, how best I want to, but yeah, I was really, I was really into it. And uh, yeah, if you, if you wonder where the film was made, it's definitely Australia because kangaroos just milling about getting it by cars. Yeah. They've only got wallabies in Stoke-on-Trent. So couldn't, couldn't be here. (laughs) Couldn't be Stoke-on-Trent. Um, and when yeah. they get home, we kind of understand the dynamic of the family a little bit more. Jade is like, she's always on her bloody phone, but she's obviously more interested in, she's got like a, a love interest. Daniel, who obviously Mia's had a bit of a 
history with but like a history when they were really young kids right they had a bit of a they even make fun of it they all say oh, oh you held hands for 10 minutes once yeah um and then obviously the mum who is sue she, she like out working nights she's is that right is she is that where she, she is like when the well, she's, a single, she's a single parent not sure if she's working or if she occasionally goes you know out when they have babysitting and she has like a life i'm not mm. sure it establishes where she is but she gets home for the day yeah, I thought um, she was maybe working somewhere. Yeah, yeah, she gets back from work or wherever she's been been out, and they're close. <laughs> she gives Mia a hug, see, she sees how she is, and she does open up to Sue, where she kind of blocked her own dad out. Mm. Um, oh yeah, and but again, she's chat- that's, that's... chatting with Riley. They're close as well, and then off to a party. That's super again, super realistic. I'm going to keep saying it, but still, super realistic. You know, sometimes yeah, much easier to open up to somebody who's perhaps a bit of an outsider in certain situations, family situations. Can't speak to your dad or, or your mom or someone, but you can speak to a friend's mom. That's speak to that's, Sue. Speak to speak to Big Sue. She'll sort you out. Um, but yeah, she seems. I mean, she's very playful with it and almost like winding them up in a way. But she's. She at least she under, seems to understand what growing up is all about, and it's like, were you sneaking out? Are you? No. Why? Yeah, well, it's you, really good I'm, to have like a dynamic mom character as well. Like when she goes, "Oh, you're going to bed? Oh yeah, you're sneaking out. Yeah. And, oh, I, why else would you ask if I was going to bed? Or like when she gets in, she's like, "Ready? Get your shit off the table." Um, like it's. <laughs> oh yeah. It's not. It's not just you can be with fact with the uh, films that are focused on children or teen characters. And where the the parents aren't going to have a great deal of agency in what's going on, so so often the parents become just nothing characters. They may as well be the adults in Charlie Brown, where you just see them off screen and you hear <laughs> as their voice. Like, but <laughs> like with this one, it's proper. Like Sue is a major character in this. Her reaction to things and her involvement in things when people get injured mm. or are in danger, while she doesn't engage in any of the supernatural goings on in it because it's very easy that you engage adults in this and then they become the focus of the story so you want Mm. those younger adolescent characters to lead the thing but she is still a part of it and she is still a major player in the overall story which is nice Mm. it's really nice to see a mom character in the film as well not presented as just a nag or the serious parent which is what we so often see in horror films but in wider media as well as the mom being the stricter parent and the dad less so it's nice to see a mom that can have fun with the kids that a kids can be more open with I mean they're not they do lie about sneaking out but she does sort of give that vibe that they can speak to her obviously like you say Mia does speak to her whereas with her dad she doesn't and it's interesting to see that sort of stereotype quashed within the film at the start mm. yeah very nice yeah um so where they're sneaking out they're sneaking out to a party hosted by Haley and joss and apparently the main attraction is this mysterious severed embalmed hand and they're seeing it all over snapchat kids kids do still use snapchat i was like anyone using snapchat these days they do as i said my 13 year old daughter she's all over it with snapchat so it shows i'm just an old stick in the mud uh so so you then with your tiktoks all right sorry sorry, granddad um yeah so loads of videos of people like seemingly possessed but i think the character our characters are a bit like it's bullshit we don't really believe this is what it is everyone's faking it or to get attention but we're, we're still curious about what it could be um 
so yeah, they go to this party and initially like it's a bit awkward. Um Haley's but... not a fan that that um that Mia's been brought along, is is she? She's like, oh, oh yeah. So yeah. you know how much you know how much she gets on my nerves and something like that, yeah, doesn't she? Get, it's freaking right on my whip. <clears throat> Buzz Killington over there. Well, Buzz I Killington. Are we... Really, really interested line she says in that, speaking about like how she's annoying now, sort of as if she's saying she's annoying uh... since the mom's died. And it's interesting how it's represented in the film that Mia has changed since her mom died and how she's a different person. I think it's interesting that we sort of get little glimpses and little things people say about what she was like before, but then obviously we don't see that. We only see her post, like post-death yeah. going through her grief. Most definitely. It's, uh, it's good. It's really good. All the characters are really well-rounded and fleshed out nicely without needing to have a hundred lines of dialogue to explain who they are, where they're from, yeah, what they don't think need about a lot of, like, We don't need to like take a little aside to be like, here's you know here's Haley's story here's Mia's story we don't have to do those ones like Joss as a character is very like minimally touched on what his background is like he like in effect there's a bit when they ask where he got the hand from is like what the fuck do you want to know like a list of receipts of where it's come from I've just transactional got it. receipts yeah, yeah I just got it from someone who got it from someone else and that's, yeah, that's kind just, of it I've just got it like you don't need <laughs> to worry about that take note alien franchise um, so they but, so they so they say it's the hand of like a psychic, is that right? Yeah, a hand of a psychic who could contact the dead. So then someone along the line basically said, "Why don't I just chop your hands off?" And again, lovely bit of smart, not on the nose. The game is on award um, kind of stuff. Where it's like, oh, where's the second hand? Just a throwaway line saying, "Oh, the the other one's probably somewhere else." Yeah, and they also say, "What's with the." Like what? Why is it? Because it's kind of got it's porcelain. Like ceramic porcelain. Yeah. So like, what, I don't know. If you, if you smash it open, it's probably like an old embalmed, yeah, mummified it's hand. Been an inside. embalmed hand, and then the porcelain's been put over it to, to you know, to for a visual effect to preserve it effectively. An yeah. Extra bit to of preserve it. And it, it never really mentions what all the sort of writing on the hand is either, does it? Does it ever mention lovely that? bit of graffiti that says well, like, "Chat to us, will you? Give us a chat." Have a look over Maybe here. like people who've used it have like signed it gone, yeah, that was good. In several um, different scripts and languages as well, right? So there's English words, there's um like what looks like some maybe some Thai script or some like some Asian characters in there. So it's all different languages that are written. All right. And over it. Um so yeah, after a little bit of awkwardness, that's when Daniel turns up. And what we understand from Daniel is that he's good 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 Christian fella. Um and I think Sue does say, oh, yeah, he's still got a dick. But still, like, it kind of makes out that he's, like, he's a nice guy and he is in a genuine sort of, like, in, he's got a love interest in, what's her name? Jade. Yeah. Right. Oh, Jade. Jade. <laughs> yeah, he's, gen- he's genuinely interested in her. It's not anything nefarious or anything like that. Um, But obviously, him and me have still got a bit of a connection from when they used to know each other. But, yeah, fairly quickly, the hand comes out. Um, and they sort of explain how it works. And Riley's there at this point as well, isn't he? Yeah, Riley basically, as they were sneaking out, went like, well, you're sneaking out, I'm coming. And Mia is, this plays in as well, Mia is quite soft with Riley and she's nice to him, she likes to include him. Mm. And whereas Jade, typical older sister's like, no, you're not coming. Mia's like, I told him he could come, he's fine. Like, it's all right, he's allowed allowed to come, he's all right. She actually Mm. genuinely likes him. Again, it's looking for those family connections. 
How did you both feel about mm. this with Mia volunteering? Do you think it's because of this atmosphere and she's kind of determined not to be like a suck and for people to like not like her so much as they used to? Do you think she's done it as a way to try and win mm. some favour with the group again? Or is it like Possibly. a curiosity well, in speaking? Yeah. Like, is it's it probably a bit, a bit of both, isn't it? It's yeah. a curiosity of like connecting... Because she probably got some curiosity since her mum died of like what is beyond. Um, I think she just felt a bit awkward initially, didn't she? And kind of wanted to be involved a bit more. She felt like a bit excluded, a bit of an outsider. So she was kind of like involving herself immediately. So she's kind of like, I don't think it's because she wants to be centre of attention, but I think she just wanted in some way. That's what I got from that anyway. Yeah, I agree. I think it was the sort of like the peer pressure of the party. We see her in it sort of being awkward, sort of gravitating around Jade and not really speaking to anyone else. I mean, Hayley doesn't exactly make her feel included or act like she's included. Yeah, because she just... I sort she's of just got the getting on with her. Yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, sorry. I sort of got the impression that maybe beforehand they were closer and she was more the life and soul of the party. And then now it's obviously very different. Her life's yeah. dramatically changed. It sort of felt to me a little bit like she was trying to get back to old Mia, like pre-Greek mm. Mia, and throwing herself out there. But then also, like you say, the curiosity of the hand. She seems to be the one that is more sort of interested in the videos and maybe they are real, as opposed to like Jade and Daniel, who don't really seem to believe it at all. Yeah, that's true. Um, but yeah, really interesting. I find I find everything, all the dynamics of the characters really, really interesting. So yeah, they pretty much explain how it uses how it works is put the hand down on the table you open you light a candle to like open the, the connection door. open the door and you blow the candle out to close the door you, you essentially hold the hand say talk to me which allows you to meet the spirit and then you say i let you in and then you get fully possessed by the spirit but 90 seconds seems to be the, limit, the limit for this i don't know whether is it just information that they've been given yeah, I think like it's like this, firsthand. this is some lovely work. And this is why, as a concept, this is really strong. This is this is the Gremlins rules. This is your one, two, mm. Freddy's coming for you. These little bits of like just law that you don't need written down anywhere. But just the way they put it, like 90 seconds <clears> is the limit. And even even Haley is quite a uh, you know, he doesn't strike you as being a very responsible character, doesn't strike you as being particularly interested in rules, but is straight away, and Joss ties uh, Mia to a chair, it's like, trust me, you're going to want to be tied down. Um, yeah. And then they say, you've got to do it 90 seconds, oh, what's what's wrong? Why, why isn't it 90 seconds? And they quickly just hit these rules that's like, if it's more than 90 seconds, they're going to want to stay. So they'll, mm. they'll, they, want to, they want to stay if you have more than 90 seconds. And by the way, if they die when they're if you die while they're in you, then they've got you forever. Bloody hell. Two things that come up in these early these early points. And then I think initially I'd be like, what's the, what's growing. good what's good about this? Yeah. That's what I'd say. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be no appeal to it whatsoever, other than sort of to get a social media video. And that yeah. I think when they have the first person in the chair, you see everyone gets their phones up. Just yeah. like in the first scene, I think if I'd not, I'd just be like, I need to watch it happen with someone else first. Just yeah, so I'll, at go least I... I'll go second. I'll go and second. Chop me up, please, and chop yeah. me up at forty seconds if you don't mind. So initially, when she obviously she's very scared, um, very unsure, but she when she touches the hand and says, "Talk to me," she 
does see a spirit, but she immediately lets go of the hand, and it's like a old man for us, isn't it? Yeah. And she obviously just because it just appears directly in front of you. It does feel like you're you're supposed to be holding her hand, right? Yeah, and like it, later on, you do see some scenes where you see them talking to a ghost, and the porcelain hand isn't in play. It is them holding this, the the little girl later on. She's just holding her hand, so. As the mechanism of the film works, you are holding the hand of the person that you are speaking to. So again, think of the fear yeah. side of things. In a first-person view, you yeah. look up and all of a sudden you're not holding a porcelain hand, you're holding the hand of visibly a corpse. They're Beetlejuice dead people, right? Whereby you look like the thing, how you died. So if you got yeah, and so, and round, like, you're all bloated get... and horrible. And some of them get like gradually worse as well. Like Some of them are more repeat with the more we see of them the worse they seem to get um so yeah she gets scared in this initial moment let's go to hand but when they convince her to finally do it the f- body she sees is like of a woman who's like she looks all green and bloated like she's drowned like a drowned person possibly. right that's gonna have swelled up yeah um and for the first for this being the first one and the first time mia's done it pff, could it think could have gone any worse could it well not worse but you know what i mean it's like <laughs> So what did she do initially? Initially, she's like just looking around. She sort of focuses on Riley and kind of like her eyes go all black, which is great. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. She says that someone's here. He's and she implies that they can see other spirits. And her voice changes. She gets mm. like a gruffer, like a country accent. I don't know Australian states well enough to say what the accent she gets, but it's not her own accent. But she's like, "Boy oh, likes you, boy. Wash out, you'll split you." And it's like, oh. Poor, and, and Riley is visibly upset by it, right? He's crying. Seeing... He's like looking. He's like looking around, like as if to say, yeah. "Who are you talking to?" And the door it the seems door like the sp- open as well, right? So yeah, everyone loves it. This is the thing. Everyone's entertained by it rather than scared. Um, which I guess it would be like that when you're in a group of people. If you're on your own, obviously horrific. But in a group of people, it must be like super entertaining. Um, she has a horrifying laugh. Very scary laugh. Um, but yeah, in terms of the eyes being like black or red, and obviously their faces all goes a bit discolored and gray as well. So it kind of like you could you, you can say as much as you want, oh they're faking it, but I'd, you can't really fake that, can you? No, you can't really like having like almost like a black bile running through your veins where anyone has like close veins to the skin you can see, like yeah. it um like it going like it coursing through them sort of. And we and it seems get... like the spirit also knows, like whoever it possesses, it seems to understand them and have their memories. Essentially, doesn't it? it has their secrets and whatever. We get some comments about it later on. It knows all about them. Um, they have a little bit of a struggle, like they struggle to get that she has a real tight grip on the hand, and it takes both Joss and Haley to pull it to pull it away from her. But and it goes Hayley, over the ninety second deadline as well. We, we, went, we went, we went ever so slightly over. You're right, and they're like, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Did you think at this moment, Becky, did you think, ah, that's fine, 90 sec- going over the 90-second deadline? I bet that won't mean oh. anything. Oh, no, absolutely not. <laughs> Although I did think on rewatching it again, maybe it didn't affect her then because she'd been touched by death. I mean, okay. like through her mom dying. We don't know of any of the others if they have. We do know through Mia she does, like she has, mm. and she does seem to be the least affected compared to like later, obviously, when Riley goes through it. And goes yeah. over the deadline. He's just immediately. Just I know we will get to over. that, but I've got so many thoughts about what that could have been because, again, I don't think it's straight up obvious what happened, what kind of spirit 
has got hold of him or or how it how it's related to me in any way whether it is just a an evil spirit that's taking advantage and sort of manipulating people around it that's kind of what i thought but again it feels very open to interpretation doesn't it yeah, yeah i'd sort of got the impression that if mia had been taken over in the earlier <clears throat> in the early one when she'd messed with the hand that it was sort of her mind playing tricks on her that actually it was nothing to do with her mom whatsoever and it was whatever yeah. was inside her making her think of her mom and sort of the grief mm. taking over her her denial about what had happened because obviously at this point she doesn't know like yeah. the ins and outs of yeah. what had happened her dad hasn't sat her down and spoken to her about the truth behind her mom's death but yeah. i definitely don't think at any point it was actually her mom was it I, I don't think so personally no yeah, unless, I mean, I don't think... unless, you know, when you're a ghost and you're there for long enough, you go nasty. Who knows? Like, it's, again, apparently the the creators, the the concept writer and the writer-directors of this have said they have more Bible and backstory and content that they didn't touch on in this one. So they do have the capacity oh, okay. to do more. I imagine if they do do more, these are things that we could explore further. Like, is it a case of, regardless of how you are as a person when you get there is it only that you end up in this kind of limbo if you have died violently in an accident or or through suicide or something like that or is it that anyone could be there or is it that you know you start off as yourself but we see a bit later on how kind of distorted and how time flows is that something that affects who you are do the ghosts are the ghosts aware of each other and do they work collectively? What like these are things yeah. we'll, we perhaps Loads learn, we perhaps happen, won't. Yeah. But yeah. my take on this one was they did end the session, so they did take the hand off her and blow the candle out to close the door on this one. So I don't think yeah. there's a ghost that's possessed her right now, but I think from I feel being like also... over that time has like maybe drawn their attention to her and it's like, oh okay. I, we can be fixated upon this person. This is someone. Yeah, that's who probably can... likely. She... The door had been the opened. Police tracing a it... call, right? So it's like if you've got them on that line for long enough, you know, you know where they are, and you can see them a little bit more, perhaps. Yeah, and again, any other film could have possibly just had it all take place in the same house, in the same sort of party, and it could have just been one after another, just getting progressively worse. But again, this film knows how to really take its time, and it stops the session. Well, it doesn't even. We don't even see anyone say, right, that's enough. We're just back home. Um, Mia's staying over again. Riley's obviously a bit freaked out, a bit um, terrified, as you would be, and he wants to sleep. Well, he wants to sleep with Jade first, but she's got no interest. Uh, the dog cook... suck and sends him off to bed. It's like, oh, get yeah. out of here, you suck. But he closed the door. No one closes <laughs> Jade's door. No one closes Jade's door. And, and Cookie as well, knocking about the dog. Um, has a very important role to play soon. Um <clears throat> And yeah, essentially, it's like the whole plan now is just to get to do it again as soon as possible. Yeah, and get other people um, to do it. Is it the her boyfriend? So Daniel wants to do it. He asks they they go and ask Haley outside school if they can do it again. Riley has another nice moment with Mia that he goes and when his sister throws him out and won't let him come and bunk in with her, mm. he goes and shares the spare room with uh, with Mia, and I think she. At that point, and it's done in a nice way, I think it's brought up very well, it doesn't feel clunky. She explains a little bit about the nightmares she has and some fears she has about her mom and the background yeah. there. You know, and we 
get to see some of the violence behind it. I think this is where she explains that, yeah, my mom didn't want to kill herself. She took too many sleeping pills um, by accident. And she had been trying to get to the door and had been stuck in there. My dad was sleeping on the sofa. And, you know, he, he by the time he broke the door down, he went in the morning, she didn't answer. He broke the door down and she had like, she'd injured her hands trying to get out because she hadn't been able to go. She tried yeah. to get help. There was paint underneath underneath her fingernails. And obviously, again, a couple of couple of the things she describes here that, again, come into play. The fact that her mum's body was like against the door and it couldn't open the door because she'd like slumped there. And also the fact that Mia describes having a dream that she looks in the mirror and she's got no reflection. Yeah. That's another thing. Oh, you've got It Follows T-shirt on as well. Becky, I didn't even realize I didn't even realize that before. Very yeah, on brand. Fan favorite of mine. I can definitely see the parallels between the two films as well. There's a lot, a lot in common with the two. Yeah, she's got just a similar sort of like atmosphere, similar sort of vibe, um, and feeling like really uneasy about an evil that you don't really understand, I guess. Like some films try to really establish an evil and what it wants and how to essentially get rid of it. But with this film, and again, with It Follows, it's almost like the rules kind of just are played out and they change and we learn one thing and then that changes this. And that's almost what I felt like this film did as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's got that sort of urban legend feel, I feel like. You know, when you're a child and you hear about, I don't know, the Grey Lady or the Boogeyman or Candyman or something like that. That's what this felt like to me very much. Like, oh, these are the rules and you've just got to do it because otherwise the ghosts are going to come and get you. There's no yeah. rhyme, there's no reason necessarily, there's no backstory to it. You just believe it because of that lingering fear that maybe yeah. it will happen, which I think is compounded by the fact that it is a very young cast as well. And then a lot of the people that will be going to see it have lived through that and probably know stories from their childhood that are very, very mm. similar. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. Um, okay, so sort of after that night, we the, the next time is like a, there's a, a party at Jade's house. Obviously, the mum Sue is using every trick in the book to try and get someone to admit to the fact that there's a party going. Party. On. Oh, that's right. It told me already. What, what time is everyone getting it? No, 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 I don't know. In a party, I've never heard of. All very well to do. It's in really terms good. Of, um, but yeah, this time it's it's Haley and Joss. They bring the hand to Jade's house, and here is where they're obviously going to let the others kind of have have a go. And I think it's, I mean, it's a great scene, but a great like sort of montage as well of like just how many times they do it without any repercussions. So it almost like brings your guard down a bit, doesn't it? It's like, okay, right. So if they're doing this over and over and over and over again, they must understand it a little bit and perhaps nothing bad is going to happen. They're all having a go at being possessed. I mean, we get a slightly embarrassing scene. um, (laughs) Slightly embarrassing? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know about you, Andy. I don't know if slightly embarrassing covers it. I don't know if anything this embarrassing has ever he gets happened over to me. It pretty, he gets over it pretty quick. He does get over it pretty quickly. But I would be like, delete that video immediately. <laughs> You'd say no video. I think that's like the same. Don't know. They say right, no video. If we're going to carry on. Yeah. No um, video, please. That's fair enough. Let's go. Yeah. So again, couldn't show your face. Couldn't show your face anywhere. I don't think. Oh, Daniel has a go. We should. We we definitely need to go through this. So Daniel has a go, and this is where I guess. There is some incidental bits of interesting story because we do get the idea that they they the ghosts can at least get some idea of what's going on with the mm-hmm. with the characters. 
and it's like um daniel has to go first he gets possessed and the ghost ever so mean has a look at jailing as our you make him soft it doesn't like you, you don't do anything for him now whether that is meant to be a pointed comment that there is still something between him and mia or is it a um is it a sexuality thing and you know he's you know is yeah. It, yeah is it is it or it could have been the ghost just on a on a wind up yeah it's just ghosts being because i think Haley says this ghost is a cunt right yeah say so, <laughs> oh yeah your ghost is a proper cunt <laughs> yeah and then it just devolves into. I mean, I can't imagine how uncomfortable it must have been in, being in the room with this because I felt just watching it on screen, I was very uncomfortable. Heavy breathing, sexually suggestive noises. Yeah, doing suggestive moaning, noises. Moaning, lick, licking at, at the lips. Having a go at Mazinoff. Um, and... <laughs> Wait, having a go at Mazinoff and then falling down and just like humping the ground? Is that right? Humping the ground, yeah. Is this what we're trying to think? So obviously, these spirits, when they come into come into your body they're almost like they're they feel human again i i guess and obviously a spirit had come into his body that was very sexual this particular one is like holy shit i've got 90 seconds to try <laughs> i've got 90 seconds to do everything i've ever bloody wanted yeah. hump the floor and snog <laughs> the dog it's like oh i'm not i'm i'm a ghost and i make this person all rancid when i possess them so i'm not going to get a kiss from anyone else at this point <laughs> just a dog so yeah this is pretty horrible because Oh, the way like Cookie the dog obviously has been sat quite nicely watching everything unfold to this point, but just walks over and starts licking, <laughs> licking Daniel's face, and he. <laughs> How do they film this? So I just keep thinking. I mean, they there's no other way of filming it, is I'm there? Guessing they just the the guy just had to let the dog lick his face. Oh, but like proper snogging the dog, and like as I said before, that moment where he like grabs the dog's back and like pulls him in is just like. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. And obviously, and we get the impression that Daniel well. or anyone they know what's happened when they were when they were possessed, right? Because yeah, because it says, says like you're it's like, it's like you're, you're in passenger. the passenger seat. Yeah, it's not like you. It's not like you go completely blank. Is it's you're just like you're a passenger. You can't do anything to control anything that's happening. But so when he's come back of it, it's like oh, no, I've had an absolute mare. I'm never living this one down. And he does say to everyone, delete it, but. No, hey, yeah, so I've then... already uploaded it, mate. It's too late. <laughs> yeah, I've already uploaded it. It's gone straight out to the cloud. Um, and then what, what well, happens? Next? Like, we, we have a little. Oh, it's just like the big... there goes, and then Riley wants to go. Mia kind of like Jade is straight away. No, you're too young. No, I'm responsible for you. It's not happening. And Jade hasn't had to go herself either. I think she has gone the other way on it, where she's like, I don't think this is a good idea seeing all of you get involved with this and me you know there's probably parallels and messages about peer pressure and seeing your friends do drugs at this point as well it leans into the cigarette that you saw earlier yeah. on but riley does want to go at this and they kind of do some bargaining and mia's immediately convinced like oh, i'll tell you what, we'll just let him do we'll just let him do 50 seconds we'll just let him do half the just time. 50 seconds that'll be absolutely fine um and Jade leaves the room as well, doesn't she? So she's like, she... I'm having no part of this. Daniel goes yeah. after her. And then there's a few of them and they do, you know, basically in the absence of Jade, Mia just makes a call. And it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll allow it to happen. So she kind of takes but, but again, that montage that we've seen, it's, ta- it's, taken, it's brought, taken our guard down. But we also, the characters' guards have obviously gone down as well. So you've been doing it so much over and over again, having such a good time with it. 
that it's almost got to the point where they're like, well, nothing's going to go wrong because we're in control. We're and they're kind of like, oh, it's one more it. time because Hayley and Jocelyn have got another party at 11. They're like, oh, 50 <laughs> one, one more go. One more go. They're about one to more go. Oh, yeah, they are literally about to pack up. They're literally like packing things away. He's like, please, I'm absolutely desperate to have a go. Yeah, and he, and, <laughs> and he does have a go. What does... Now, when Riley is possessed, what does he say? But Does he say in it? Oh, no, of course, this is the Mia's mom bit. Yeah, so he just turns... And this is the thing. His voice sounds exactly like the mum, doesn't it? It's not yeah. like him... It's not like his voice, him do, saying something that she would say. It's literally her voice being channeled through him. So that is why Mia automatically recognises it. And she speaks to her and she calls her she calls her me, like which is what her mom used to call her. And... My mom used to call me that. A shortened version of my name. No one else would know to, to, to do that. <laughs> Especially as Australia, the country I would say of all the countries in the world, most likely to call people by nicknames that are shortened versions of their names. Yeah. Even Mia, which is three letters. Um You've got one of the few names that they might lengthen in Australia, Ben. Benno. Benno. Oh, yeah. I'll take that. Enjoy that. Um, so, yeah, initially, Mia is obviously desperate to speak to her mum and so almost get, like, answers from her. What does she What does she sort of say in this? Just, oh, I suppose she doesn't like, ask any know, questions about her death, but she's just like... She says, like, I'm so sorry. I wouldn't have chosen to... I wouldn't cho- I didn't do anything to hurt you on purpose. I don't want you to hate me or be ashamed. Which, again, gives us some ambiguity as to whether it is her mum and they do know things or are they just things that she's getting that familiarity from what she wanted to hear because they can read your thoughts and know what they and know things about you yeah yeah and i mean we've spoken about the performances so far but a uh, joe bird in that role it it's such a fantastic performance in being mm. even though he hasn't met me as mom he becomes me as mom it's so believable that he is a completely different person in that mm. scene i think it's 100%. so powerful yeah. Um, speaking of powerful performances, though, this was I properly in the cinema had like stress head round the back of my like stress like hands around the back yeah, of my yeah, head like, yeah, watching yeah. this one. Not like but, it's a scary time. It's not like a look away. Uh, it's not like a look away. I'm scared of a ghost in this. But it's like oh do my something. God, someone it's just do like something. someone do something. Because yeah. Mia's insistent that they don't blow the candle out. So like, okay, 50 seconds is up. But she's like, no, I want to keep speaking to what I think is my mum. And in a way, like, I mean, you could look at anyone involved in the situation and think who's to blame. But obviously Mia's going to feel pretty bad about it because she was like, no, 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 keep it going, keep it going. I want to speak to my mum. And then how does it change? Does she just, I don't, I don't he like leans do... back. He I don't like leans think back. it passes the 90 seconds, you know, I, I like... It feels like like she's saying, let's keep going, but it was 50 and they mm. talk for a second longer. I don't think it, it hits like 91 seconds and this happens. I think it takes it over the 90 by just this incredibly violent reaction. So you're right. Um, he leans really far back and then just absolutely hereditary style just plants oh, yeah, his hereditary. head into his desk again and again and again. And then he falls over and is like bashing his head Um tries to rip his own eyeball out oh, of his face. that was the bit yet you see like properly we're not on a visual medium unless you're watching this in on youtube Man. he really digs his fingers into the eyes and he's trying to pluck his eye out of his head yeah. very very successfully i, I mean e- even at this stage i was like okay that 
I mean, even when the the mum was speaking to me, I was like, okay, it's not the mum. It's it's manipulating her somehow. It's a proper evil, horrible bastard spirit, and that is why it's just gone. Fuck it. I'm just gonna rip this rip this boy to shreds essentially just to make um, a point it didn't seem like there was any other oh, point with, other than just to fuck with everybody with with hindsight i imagine what they might be doing like everything that follows in this film is trying to <clears throat> make sure this boy dies with him with the with the ghost still having possession of him from yeah. a ghost point of view they're not necessarily interested in playing the long game i think they're doing what they can with him tied to a chair to try and kill him while this ghost mm. is inside him so yeah. he's bashing yeah, his head into the right, table. Actually, he throws yeah. himself into the window and the glass, and he is trying to pluck his own up. Because I imagine that would be with just your hand free. What's the most horrific injury you could do to yourself? I can't think of many very worse. I watch horror yeah. films as part of a weekly thing. And I think it was more effective than the hereditary head smash. I I feel like with that one you're like oh Jesus Christ this is horrific but with this one it's almost like maybe because he's younger and everyone's surrounding him you think somebody stopped this from happening the fact that he can keep doing it over and over again and nobody's been able to get the hand off of him and obviously he goes flying across the room as well I kind of thought you know when the window smashed yeah I thought he's gonna put his stick his neck on that smashed window or something something yeah. like that um and then. Who rushes? Who rushes in at this point? Um, Jade comes in? into Jade, the room, and it's just just as he is like he's found like the corner of the table, like the toddler's worst nightmare. Sharp <laughs> edges on a bit of furniture, and he launches head, and Jade basically runs in, and the same as us as an audience are going, somebody do stop it, yeah. someone do something, and very quick thinking. Jade basically, as he is throwing his head towards this sharp corner puts a hand in front of it and she breaks a f- like she, her fingers get broken because he headbutts mm. her hand rather than this sharp corner before they finally are able to pull yeah. the hand off him and uh well he's obviously passed out unconscious because he is his head as he does I mean he bashed his head several times you've seen this split almost coming down his face like partially it's damage and like i imagine damage to his skull or what have you like fracturing oh, it but also like just the blood running down his I face just thought, these injuries. i just thought dead with that with that shadow of a doubt did you yeah. think he was dead oh I yeah for... there's no way he's surviving that yeah i thought he's just dead that's it but you know the fact that he'd survived and obviously another great scene of mia just very slowly walking out of the room as every as carnage like unfolds around her um you've got Haley and joss who are like we've got to get our story straight like about what happened why we were here like well, we've witnessed it obviously it's lucky in a way because somebody they were filming this at this moment so they've got video evidence of what happened um and again that's an interesting way of sort of writing out the the authorities in a way like you could have easily this could have happened and the police you know they would have been sort of kept you know loads of stuff could have happened but the fact they write out the fact that police aren't going to do anything because we've got video evidence and clearly it's a self-harm situation. But yeah, this shot, this shot with Mia kind of like in complete shock as to what's happened and obviously like blaming herself to a degree. You can tell. It's, it's a character conflicted, right? Because she's just seen something terrible happen. But at the same time, she has just spoken to what she believes to be. Yeah, yeah of course. I think it's very oh, much yeah. a character that sort of avoids that confrontation as well, as we saw with the kangaroo earlier. She very much doesn't want to confront these feelings, and it felt to me like even though she did want to speak to her mom, 
she doesn't want to deal with the emotional fallout that comes with it. And that's exactly the same with Riley as well. She doesn't want to deal with the emotional fallout of what's happened to him. And probably a sense of disbelief as well of what they'd seen. I mean, I know I was just watching it as an audience, as the film, watching it, I could barely comprehend what was going on on screen. It was so violent and so sudden. Yeah. Yeah. And it was that's again obviously it... this section, right? So we kind of get a loss of time in what that Mia goes to the bathroom and washes her hands of the blood that she's got on them while struggling to get the hand off him. And then you you the, the discussions that happening, so you're hearing the others talk about what to do and the others trying to call an ambulance and try and get for help get help and all these you hear things. a phone call jade calling her mum as well and saying that riley's hurt and she's yeah. like what do you mean and he's just like like he's just in hospital like yeah and then before you know it it's just a like a police officer coming back into me and saying okay come on through you yeah. here to take you home but again that police officer was probably out of focus as well so it's almost yeah. like the way it represents everyone who's out of focus is just like we just see that like mia's in this sort of like dreamlike state of shock state of shock and everything else just isn't really computing at this stage. Um, and yeah, obviously hospital. Me, wait, does the candle get blown out? It does get blown out, doesn't it? Or do we they're just never, not see a candle? They're not sure. They're, they're, yeah, sure they're, they're not sure because this comes up later. They're not sure if the candle's been blown out. Yeah. But we kind of, yeah. So her dad takes her home. Um, they have a brief confrontation where it says, "You've not been honest with me about something with mom," and that's a, re- and then basically him questioning her as to what's going on you're not telling me something she basically throws that back at her dad and says you're not telling me about something that was true about mom end of conversation walks away and Mm. then then she calls a cab or goes out because she can drive so she goes to the she takes a cab to the hospital i mean i don't think i was fully prepared to see what riley actually looked like yeah (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You could be like, oh, what happened? Well, he's probably lo- he probably looks a bit bad, but his face, I mean, he looks dead. His face is bloated, purple. He's on life support, of course. It's absolutely horrific. Um, and obviously Sue is angry. Sue is angry with Mia, doesn't want her there, kind of turns her away. Really, Jake really sort of effective, right? Because I think, again, you could have dealt with that differently where, again, lesser films the she would have just avoided the mom and they wouldn't have had to have that dialogue and that conversation or mm. it would have immediately gone oh, our, our point isn't important here but the mom is furious with her and says you get away you've done something to my kid which makes it an emotionally yeah. hard beat right because this is someone who she's seen as a as a family that she has and all of a sudden that's kind of completely upended because in speaking yeah. to her mom and that situation that's unfolded Riley is incredibly injured someone who she cares about is at death's door effectively and the mom basically says you come here again I will call the police you stay away from us yeah, yeah it's crazy I, just I to see that relationship creating... sorry Becky go on oh, sorry. I feel like it's another way of sort of creating unease in the horror aspect of it as well, because it's isolating her even for, further. And we've seen that in other horror films as well, that a lot of the yeah. times spirits and demons will isolate who they want to go after. And it's mm. taken away her support system in that. So while it's very, very emotional on the surface, I know when I was watching it myself, I felt very much like, well, oh, she's on her own now. There's no one mm. believe her or listen to her about what's going on. This is when the horror is going to ramp up. Yeah. And like, even though obviously you have a collection of characters that do know about the supernatural element, 
for the family. Jade was against it anyway. She, it's not at this point, but later on in another argument, she says, will you stop just forcing your way into my family, please? Yeah. Which was Again, an it's incredibly like hurtful thing. When... Incredibly hurtful thing and probably like saying something. She didn't mean it, but at the same time, she understands um, what's going to hurt Mia in that moment. You say something, don't you, could... when your brother's had his face bashed in, don't you? You do, you do. And, you know, who who can blame her? And the only person Mia's kind of, like, reaching out to here is is Daniel because he's kind of not fully part of that family unit either. They've got a bit of history together. Um, so they kind of, like, are supporting each other through this Well, in this well. situation, this is it. So after that that case, she goes and she thinks she sees her mom. Uh, it's oh, a yeah, tiny a scene times, where she thinks yeah. she sees her mom going into a toilet cubicle and she has to push the door open and there's no one there. But then Daniel comes to her and he gives her a lift home. He's in a bit of a situation himself because he's 18. The police didn't phone his parents, but he, as far as his parents who are religious are concerned, he is staying at his cousin's house. So if he goes home now in the dead of night, it's going to raise questions. So Mia says he can sleep at her house and there is a scene again. There's a there's a little bit there where it looks like it's something untoward can happen. Like again, when they touch hands. Yeah, a lesser film. You mm. would just have that. He's he's a flawed character, and he's quite happy to, in a moment of like heightened emotion, kiss someone he had a history with uh, at the cost of his current relationship. But it's really good. There is like a moment of tension there, and then he's like. No, I'm not gonna really do that. Like to the point that he's even not sure he should stay over, because what would what would that mean to Jade? And she's like, "Oh, just sleeping over. It's not top and tail, on it." Yeah, I mean, anything is fine. Nothing sexual gonna come out of top and tail. It's not about to suck on your feet or anything. Uh -oh. <laughs> oh my god! Oh Jesus Christ! Um, so yeah, they fall asleep and. I mean, it's quite obvious that this is a dream sequence at this stage because, I mean, talking about Hannibal and dream sequences, this is a great dream sequence that felt like, okay, I, first of all, I know it's a dream sequence from scratch because somebody's like walked out of bed, you know, that shot where someone looks like someone's asleep and then they just walk forward. We've seen loads of adverts. <laughs> yeah, we understand this is a dream sequence and obviously she's, is she kissing Daniel in this moment? Yeah, first they start kissing and then she sees. It's like the pile of clothes in the corner of your room that you look at it at night time. It's like, oh no, looks like a horrible old man. But again, this a different film could have had something rush towards the screen, screen and scream at you. But the way it just kind of come, creeps out of the darkness, and I mean, I just, it took me ages for my eyes to adjust to what I was seeing. I was almost like, what's going on here? I can see it's a person, but. Are they supposed to be dead? Horrible, they just, do they just look dirty? Looks like the the woman from The Shiner, doesn't it, in the bath? Yeah. Stayed in the bath too long, got ever so wrinkly, and now wants some, wants some feet, and she's shouting to Daniel, wake <laughs> up, some feet. wake up. And then the old woman is there literally gumming at sleeping Daniel's toes. These are, These are effective filmmakers. It's like it, it's like the cheese grater in New uh, Evil Dead Rise all over again, where no one has, has ever <laughs> my entire foot in their mouth. But I can imagine what that would feel like, much like an imagine yeah. if, if I scraped myself with a cheese grater and I know I wouldn't like it. It is just, 
I mean, it couldn't have gone any worse for Mia, could it, in that situation? <laughs> because... Oh, I know. You thought he was embarrassed snogging the dog. So it turns out that we go <laughs> into real life and um, Daniel does wake up only to find, like, Mia. I mean, admittedly, she has gone out. She has got whited out eyes like she's That never gets possessed. mentioned, though. That never gets mentioned. Like, I was possessed. And he goes, oh, yeah, your eyes were a bit milky. No. <laughs> you were chumming on my foot. <laughs> Oh, it's brutal. And he's like, whoa, get off, get off. I mean, some people are into feet. I'm not one to kink shame. Feet is quite a vanilla thing to be into as well. So, but the whole foot in the mouth, I think I'd, I'd, I'd draw a line under that. Yeah, I reckon. <laughs> Two even... toes, three toes, maybe. Yeah, the whole I, foot, I, get it all I, in there. I reckon even your standard, I reckon even your standard line of feet people would be like thinking, that's a bit much. That's a bit much for me. That makes me feel sick. Don't want the whole <laughs> foot in there. One little T is not a choking hazard. Come on. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty brutal. And obviously he leaves um because he's fuming, as you would <laughs> I've been violated. Uh but left alone, Mia thinks, well, I haven't got to do the let me in part, but she does some more talk to me to chat to a mom yeah. more directly. And get some answers, I guess, based on her her suicide. But this I guess this is important to the character of Mia though, isn't it, Becky, in terms of speaking to her mum, like getting the answers she seems to crave. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely seems like she's sort of chasing that closure, but it seems like she's chasing a closure that she wants. Because obviously, when her dad does yeah. speak to her about the truth, she doesn't. She doesn't want that. She doesn't want to believe it. She carries on questioning her mom. It seems yeah. like she wants. I mean, I sort of question whether she did actually know what had happened, and whether it was her dad reiterating it to her in the yeah. film as well. So how she behaves through the first time she speaks to her mom, and afterwards seems to be very much that she wants to believe this reality that she's constructed for herself to sort of help her get through the grief as best she can rather than facing the fact that her mom was going through something she didn't know about and that she couldn't help it's almost like yeah because the memories she has of her mom that she looks back at and and snapchat memories or whatever they are like of them sort of um pissing about what do you have to say to the haters she sort of says suck my ass yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I was like, like that made me laugh. But this is the thing, like, so many times in terms of someone who's taken their own life and something, there's always these memories that come up where they're like, this was them one week before, this was them two days before, like, almost like, especially the people closest to them can't make a connection between, like, someone who's obviously been driven to suicide and how they how they've shown themselves, the face that they put on, how they weeks or days before, how they've projected themselves in the run up to those things. So it's almost like she can't make that connection. And I think she is very, um, she paints a very positive picture of mom. Like in the conversation with Riley early on, she says like, and you you can understand her meaning. She'll say like she accidentally took too many sleeping pills. Like none Mm. of the characters are stupid. She's not, she's not getting across the point that, oh, she meant to take two, but she accidentally slipped and drank all of them. She she knows that she that she took all those sleeping pills, certainly enough to kill her. But she is very um, protective of the memory of her mother in saying that she didn't intend to do that. While she may have physically intended to swallow that many, the thing is, something like that is just got to eat away at you. Where you're like, yeah. there's a little bit of doubt there whether you think they did it on purpose or they didn't do it on purpose because as we're supposed to think that there's not an existence of a suicide note or not that she remembers. Or when her dad sort of explains it to her, 
that having that doubt there must really eat away. You were like, I don't actually know whether they did this on purpose. And do we feel that there's meant to be some doubt placed on the role of the dad in this one? I feel like, especially the ghosts feed into this, they bring like a suspicion towards him later on. Like the fact that he was sleeping down on the sofa, the fact that she damaged her hands trying to come out of the room, like it's never explicitly stated but i feel like it does try to seed some distrust in that the dad knew more about it or maybe had like rather than had done this thing said locked her in a room because you know he thought that was the right thing to do because she was saying something else or that he was more complicit in these things or yeah. guilty of inaction perhaps Ooh. than mm-hmm. uh you know i don't think it, means to say oh the dad's the dad was a murderer actually it wasn't a suicide but it implies that he is more involved and more responsible or culpable for what eventually happened than in reality he is Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely i definitely thought it was going to at one point thought it was going to go down the road of maybe he did something to the mom that it wasn't a suicide it was sort of a cover-up but i am glad that it didn't because sort of i got the impression that it's very much a lot of what the ghosts were saying wasn't necessarily what the ghosts were saying it was more in sort of Mia's memory and what Mia was yeah. telling herself and what she was thinking. See, and it's like sort of taking advantage of felt uh-huh. so deeply damaged by what had happened that she'd rather believe that it was something that her dad did rather than that yeah. her mom had, like, yeah. had committed suicide and that she knew went... nothing about it. How it how intense was that image of her mum like the ghost of her mum like spooning her as well? Yeah. Like, when she so fell asleep. Bad. Yeah, exactly. It was Is this uh, the bit that got you in the cinema, Becky, on your it first wasn't, watch? No, it was them reading through the note that really got me. In oh, it. Okay. it was intense as well. Because it, in that t- situation, yeah, just... that note, the line that got me, I think, was when she said she felt hopeless, but today she feels full of hope. And that was the yeah. day That's that exactly, she like yeah. actually killed herself. Yeah. Um. Okay. So does, does she go back to the hospital now, or is this... Do, when when does the I note get read is... out to her? Is that... This is that's right towards the end when the dad actually reads the, yeah, yeah, the right. note. But now I think we begin to do a little bit more exploration. Is this around the scene where we go and see the 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 brother from the beginning? Um, they go yeah, back. Yeah, that's right. They go back to our hand. I think. I think the, initially the hand, the we see... in, is in Mia's house now. By the way, she's the one that's brought it. Home. Yeah, she's got hold of it. I think initially we see some more of Riley that he's still possessed, and basically every time he tries to come to. He tries to kill himself again, so he's getting oh, like that's washed. That's right. Um, so he's getting Jane, like washed in the in the, in the hospital. Him, like a bed bath, and then the second the mom steps out the room, he basically gains a little bit of like cognizance, and he's smashing his head into the tiles. And again, it's a scene where licking up the, the mom blood comes back in is literally like somebody do something, actually stop yeah. this. They they call a nurse, don't they? And they kind of like they do stop him. But even like yeah, that shot of him licking up the blood, and then the shot of the blood going down the plug hole as well. It was all really, really effective. Yeah. Um, so yeah, essentially what they try and work out now is that they need to do something because Riley's still possessed in a way. Um, they talk about it, they don't know if they shut the door, but then they try and think, Who right, who did you get the hand from? We need to find out more about the history of this. And then they've tracked down Cole from the beginning, who obviously got stabbed by his brother, duck it, but yeah, survived. It. And they duck find and him. him. And Joss gives us a little bit more background where he says, oh, I got it from a guy called Duckett. 
I asked him if I could borrow it for a party and he said I could keep it because he didn't need it anymore because he can speak to them without. Oh, God. I don't need it anymore. I can speak to them whenever I want. Oh, great. Amazing. Which also gives <laughs> us... Take which... it home. <laughs> this, this yeah, yeah of, you wouldn't. Um, this, this is um, a kind of look forward of the path that Mia is on, right? Yeah. At this point. She's been. She is now at this point. She's been able to speak to her mom mm-hmm. with the hand, but without doing the talk to me thing. She's been able to call what she believes her mom forward, yeah, and then obviously let go of the hand and sleeping in a bed with a, with at the very least an image of her mom. Yeah, um, uh, Cole wants something to do with them. He's like, no, like getting late. Hate Taylor and just. Does like, anyone else you? pay to get on this bus? Is what I kept thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Just con- is this contactless or what? How do they get on this bus and the driver don't go? Hang on a minute. Where good are you going? Public transit in uh, in Australia. Tap on, tap off with little cards. That's good. That's good. I like it. Um. So yeah, they get they speak to Carl. So everyone goes to like speak to Carl essentially to get a little bit more information. Uh, he reveals that the spirits are, like they weaken longer they stay in your body, so they need to like wait out. But they're like, no, no, no. This is this is worse than that. The spirits are essentially like killing Riley, like torturing him basically so they don't have time this is different they don't think the spirits are weakening do they even say the spirits might be getting stronger i don't know yeah well i think yeah i really like this point with collie just makes a point and i i kind of like that of all of the films where there's a convoluted you must do this you must do that and it's like no they get they get weaker over time just like you do just have to hold it out which is converse to what the spirits then start to advise right um Mia in a little while, right? But yeah. um, he basically sticks to his guns and at first he doesn't want to talk to them when he does relent and say, and he hates Haley and Justin. Oh, I see. You let a kid do it, like try not ruining people's lives for a change. Oh, um, yeah. And then he says, he, he leaves it. They get weaker the longer they're there, hold out basically, and you'll be okay. And then they, they leave. So um, I think then Mia has an idea where they're like, we need to complete the ritual we're not sure if we blew the candle out so maybe we'll do the ritual again and then blow the candle out that'd be all right wouldn't it they they try sounds that, like an they? absolutely great idea yeah they basically want to just oh we've, we've missed a step do it again but unfortunately they can't get um they can't get him to hold the hand because obviously he's passed out so he can't yeah. do talk to me it's not called but he talked to him is it yeah um, um that's the thing like you're like this obviously ain't gonna work or this isn't working and they do it like what once or twice. And I think we kind of realize that, don't we? And then Mia has another idea where she's like, okay, maybe I'll talk to a different spirit, someone else who's nearby. Maybe they know where he is. Yeah. Have you seen this fella? A, where there's is a he? Little, there's a little girl. She says, oh, maybe we can use the thing. If Riley isn't in his body, maybe we can use the hand to talk to him instead. Yeah. But they can't yeah. call him. A little girl spirit comes and they do a reverse, I let you in, right? Because... The little girl, the ghost girl says, I let you in instead of Mia doing yeah. it. And she gets the experience of the ghost eyes. Um, event horizon energy here, everybody. Yeah. It looked, like, so it looked like Riley is in some sort of undead, terrifying orgy, like under orange lights. Everyone looks like rotisserie chicken. It yeah. looks, it looks horrific, and you just, and he's having like Vaseline smeared all over his body, but it's agony. Yeah, 
yeah, he's basically in a big old can of tango. Or yeah, like you say, he's at the he's at the chicken rotisserie. He's on Market Street. Daniel Oka Morrison's. Have you seen the absolutely co- hammered by ghosts? <laughs> have you seen the cover of? I think it's a recent Fangoria, where the cover is like this shot, essentially, or like an official photo of this shot of him like being spooned by the horrible undead. That's horrific. Horriblest ghosts you can think of. Proper horrible ghosts, like just horrible undead. It's it's just the lady from from The Shining. Yeah, hundred percent. Lady from the Lady from the Shining's got him in a in a sleeper hold. The greasy stranglers thumping him in the stomach. Like all these, all these yeah. things are happening to him. And like they're just pulling him apart in hell. You know what, Ben? Throw shade on not not a film without its merits, but this kind of thing, this kind of almost incalculable horror that you can't mm. even comprehend in the time you see it. That's what I wanted from my from my return to Hellraiser. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, the Hellraiser did some good things. They did some interesting things. They had some very, very visceral moments. But there wasn't a scene in that film where I was like, I can't even really work out what's happening here. But I know it's deeply, deeply unpleasant. Yeah. And I felt like I came away from that film. And I got that from this film and never would have expected it. And it uses it so sparsely and so carefully that mm-hmm. you can overplay this, you can have it as a big like, you know, lingering scene with intercuts close upon his eyes looking side to side like it's an episode of Garth Marenghi's Dark Place it doesn't do that, it uses it so sparingly and it's so effective I was thinking about that on the way back I was like, oh, that was a horrible scene yeah, and that's the thing, you don't, it doesn't last for long, it's only a few flashes of, of the imagery isn't it, yeah. but it was uh... very much like the event horizon um, like you know the the cutaway bit where yeah they filmed the whole section and we got like a second or two of it in the film yeah um and I think Mia when she ends up obviously that hasn't worked but what back at home is when the suicide note gets read to her which is what Max has been keeping from her thinking that perhaps she can't deal with it in in a way and yeah it, it's basically the map her mum confirming, yes, she did take her own life, but she felt like she had no choice and she didn't mean to hurt either of them. But yeah, um, Mia is is in disbelief and she's like, no, she didn't kill herself because she told me. And that is obviously because the ghost is is manipulating her or manipulating her memories of it in some way. Because um, you even like, even when the, the ghost is like appearing actually in the scene, right? Actually saying, no, he's lying. Yeah. And notably again... Mia, Mia does go up to her bedroom and continue talking to the ghost, but it very, very deliberately shows us that she doesn't take a bag with her. Her ha- The hand is still downstairs. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. Now, now, now what we think is that Max is banging on the door, like angrily trying to get in, and we it keeps cutting back to him sat in the living room. Like, he, he can't hear anything like that, so we understand that the, the ghosts are again... Checking his text, yeah. Um, and you oh, know what? Pee Wee Herman's died. Rest in peace. Sorry, <laughs> he's there just checking his checking the checking the feed. I feel like I knew exactly where this was going. And you know, sometimes we have a scene where you're like, I feel like I know where it's going, but there's absolutely nothing I can do to stop it. You know, when you watch a film that you you've seen more than once, and you know exactly what's happening next, but for some reason, part of you is still trying to come to terms with the fact that this is going to happen. Is there a way that we can stop this happening? No, of course there isn't. Yeah. 
Yeah, as soon as you saw that that pair of scissors go skittering across the floor, oh, and yeah. you know, the the ghost of her mom is saying, "Oh, that isn't your dad. They're pretending to be your dad. They're mm. they're trying to hurt you." Yeah, and the door bashing so, in, and then she's been strangled by a ghost. Door bashes in. She's dad. been strangled by a ghost dad, and then her actual dad comes into the scene um, and sees her just lying on the ground, being strangled by an unseen about. force. And she's reaching for some scissors, and there's a real dad, like hovers over her, trying to help her. That is when she shoves yeah. him right into his neck, right into his neck. Oh, and, and just before, this look on his face. The look attack, on his face is, is just like know, confusion, bargaining. Like, just why, isn't it? It is heartbreaking. Yeah. What yeah, are you gonna say? Heartbreak. I was gonna say that, like, just before this, the the ghost of her mom has said, "Oh, don't worry, I've got a plan." I'll look after him, but Riley is suffering. You've got to kill him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the, I'd be like, Ghost Mum, all your suggestions are horrible. Have you only got anything better? You got Can't you be like trip? Cole who just thinks, just leave it. Just wait a bit. Just leave it. Just leave it and wait a bit. That's right. I'll be all right in the end. That's my attitude towards most things. No. <laughs> Go and kill him. <laughs> Why don't you wake up one morning? Why have I gone blind in one eye? Just leave it. Just wait a bit. <laughs> Just leave it. Be right now. The eye's actually gone. Nah, be all right. You'll be able to see soon. Uh, so then what happens? So then Mia does go to. Well, so she's obviously going to kill Riley. Well, what we does think she's going to kill Riley. Does, she does a trick. A trick. Jade says, "Oh, come round my house. I've got to show you something." Bloody hell! It yeah. better be something good. Definitely is. Come and come. I've got. I've got the solution. Come round and see. If it's just your dad with a pair of scissors in his neck again, I'm going to be livid. It's not that, la- I promise. To be fair, though, he lasts all night bleeding out, doesn't he? He's just sat there. I think this... Oh, yeah. Maybe, I don't know. Is it is it overnight or is it like... Is it the afternoon that that happens? Is I thought it, it was night and then day? it was... I'm not sure. After Also, that. this is a real-life horror. How many times has this happened to you, right? Oh, yeah, just come over. Ring me when you're outside and I'll come straight out. So you get there and you go, ring them. Or not answering now. Text them outside. Unseen, fuck's sake. Ring them, no answer. Oh, I've got to get out, have I? Got to get out of the car and go knock yeah. on the door. And you know it's God. absolutely accurate. There's just, it's just that not ready yet because no one, I do it with all kinds of folks. It's like, I know you and I've seen you that your phone is always with you, but it, you, you expect me to believe that on this occasion, <laughs> just when I happen to be phoning you, that after we put the phone, you might have spoken to them five minutes before, before you drove around there. And then it's like, all right, I've answered that call, and now, as is tradition, I'm going to throw this phone to the furthest side of my house where I'll <laughs> yeah. never possibly hear it. When you no, miss you a call. If that's happening to you, that your friend actually is just ignoring your messages and phone calls, going, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, I'm not ready, and they're trying don't to get ready. Don't say that. I don't want to think it. someone's ignoring me. Oh, God. Um, not, because they, not because they don't want to see you, Ben. Because they're just not ready to see you yet. Probably is that. Um so yeah, Mia's obviously go- goes to the hospital and she goes in like pretty much ready to kill Riley, but then suddenly Sue appears and Sue is obviously being a lot more forgiving and understanding now towards Mia than she was before. She's had some time to process everything that's happened. Um, I'm not sure if she apologizes for how she Yeah, she does. Because she? she also accused him of giving... She One of the things she accused him oh, of, drugs. she didn't say, you put a ghost stand on him. She said, you know, you've given him drugs. Um, and then she says that she saw the video and she just says, Riley just had a breakdown. I, w- I wasn't ready they, to accept it. They had it. toxicology as well, right? It was just like, yeah, they, they like his blood, he, he hasn't taken any drugs. So I'm sorry, I was wrong about you. 
I didn't mean what I said. You're part of you're part of Riley's family, and he'd be very happy that you were here. It's come back possessed by the toxicology reports. Come back possessed by one ghost. Yeah, or many ghosts. Oh, and I think <laughs> that even when when Mia phones Jade before, she goes, "Actually, don't worry about fixing it." Um, he's woke up a little bit, and he's oh yeah, he's, he's starting to be a bit more normal. He's getting that better. That doesn't even that doesn't even convince her. Like, ah, oh, he's getting better. Actually, he woke up the other day, and he said he just made a joke about something. Nah, he needs to die. I thought maybe this was going to be like pillow over the face scenario, but yeah, classic no. hospital murder. No, she. She takes him out in his wheelchair and obviously Sue goes off to get something and comes back and he's gone. Where's my son? Oh, I don't know. Actually, where is he? I mean, he was definitely on life support, right? Or was he? I was think he maybe that maybe that's why it's important that he was starting to get better. So he's not plugged into oh, the okay. wall so, so much he's not anymore. just plugged in. And then <laughs> Jade in. comes back. Jade comes back to the hospital and sees Mia just like pushing her, pushing him up towards like a busy road. So she's gonna like sling him in there, pushing him towards, um, pushing him towards the motor on a wheelchair. Proper, yeah. almost like last of the summer wine antics style. If it had nicer, funnier music, like yeah. they're yeah, they're getting up the embankment. Jade is chasing after them. Um, mm. This was Mia has yeah. There's flashes of the scene with the kangaroo and what it meaning to. I guess that's her inspiration because I think she does pause and she can't shank him with a pair of scissors. One yeah. of those is enough for anyone in a day. So I think that's where she thinks of how they almost mercy killed the kangaroo. A great shot as well of her mum like appearing behind her, like the hands arriving on the shoulders like that and just whispering into her ear, telling her what to do. Um, What's him in the road? Yeah. Fucking... road. He, he loves it in the road. And <laughs> he, to, he loves her, it in the road. To her vision, Riley is an old beggar. Ah, I was like, he's proper oh, like yeah. Emperor Palpatine taunting again. Oh, that's ah, terrific. Ah, oh, you have to There's push a, me into the I road. I think that might yeah. be it. I think that specific type of undead go- ghosty ghoulie is the one that really gets me, which is like old, really old lady, really old man cackling. I think it takes me back to um, Meg Mucklebones in Legend, you know, with uh, Tom Cruise, Horrible yeah. Green Witch comes out of the swamp. That is that always scared me as a kid, and I think you that saw Meg Muckleberg, you in the road. Any form of that, like Shining Lady, anything in ghosts. I think other ghosts I can kind of deal with, like little kid ghosts. Um, but yeah, that is just too much for me. Big so bloated, not, scary, horrible, dead. You're not re you're not retraining to become any healthcare the old elderly assistant anytime. Pro- right? pro- probably not. Probably not. Um, <laughs> Otherwise, not, I'm just, watch just out. Not Watch out for the news, briskly extended. <laughs> Man pushes people into road. No, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that. Just a pillow. That's the classic. Yeah. <laughs> and then obviously there's a, there's a moment where we see it from the point of view of the car. Again, this is really good. We see it from the point of view of the car, so we can't really work out exactly what has happened. Someone or something falls into the road. Cars begin to crash, and then. When Jade, like it's all tense, Jade's running out there, she's like feet away, and <laughs> we get this little pause. This is one of these again. I had my my head in my hands trying to lit trying to will something to happen because you feel for the worst in this moment. Mm. But the you know, the maybe the, the lies come unstuck. She said, Oh, you know, we have to kill him, otherwise they'll have him forever. And he's like, hang on a minute, yeah. have him forever. Isn't that what happens when they die? And then yeah, you, you you don't know what's happened. You don't see. You just see the 
hands moving off that um, wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And then, as you say, Ben, you see in the aftermath of what's happening in the road. Yeah. Uh, all the cars crash. Me. Sorry, go on. As we say, the cars. It's one of my... I was gripping onto my seat with the cars. It was one of my worst nightmares, something like that, happening, like, just careening out in front of the car and not being able to do anything. So I was yeah. really, really, really tense in that moment. I think it's done so well when you just see, like, Mia in the road. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Because, we're, again, it's a great shot because, obviously, she regains consciousness, stands up. She's obviously a bit scratched and bruised, but we kind of think, oh, she's okay. But then we kind of see the next few scenes sort of go against that. We see her wander in the hospital. The passage of time has changed drastically because we see Riley's like fully healed in in the hospital. And obviously he's sitting up having a lovely he's sitting up and having a lovely chat. He's going and it's really cool use of time compression here. So you see them there, you see them gone. Oh, I forgot to say that Jade, when she gets to uh, Mia's house finds a dad with some scissors sticking out of his neck, mm. alive but not doing yeah. so well. Yeah, of course. And then this is great. Like when she's running around the hospital and the lights are kind of switching off as she's getting to different parts. I mean, that's awesome. And then obviously the shot of the kangaroo as well, the bleeding kangaroo, just sort of out of shot. And then again, another great callback when she looks in the mirror and sees that she's got no reflection. Yeah, so you see like... some doctor. You see some doctors walk past who do have reflections, and then she doesn't have one herself. Yeah, and yeah. did any, after after the car accident, did anyone actually notice her like in the road as I, she stood I, up? Yeah, I think well, she yeah she stood up. No one runs over to her, and it's it happens quicker than we've explained it here. Like it, this happens at a rate of knots, and you, she sees her mm. dad and calls after him, but he walks away and can't hear or respond to her. What was the two of yours take on that? Is that a uh, dad was also was he okay was he healed in hospital and that was him leaving the hospital or is he I also a ghost it. i sort of gathered she was in her own sort of personal hell personal limbo in it and mm. even though she'd been pushing her dad away throughout the film i'd sort of got that you know it's her remaining parent she sort of craves that closeness that she had with her mom, with a parental figure. She craved it from Riley. She craved it from Sue, from her friends. Mm. And I feel like even though she was pushing her dad away, it sort of showed that, you know, she did want that familial closeness with her dad. But then in this mm. reality, he, he he's given up on her. He's, he's abandoned away her, as from well. her as well. Yeah. I, it's one of those things. I don't need to know the answer, but I'm going to speculate about it in my head forever. Like, mm. is the dad alive or dead at this point as well? I'm assuming because she found him alive that possibly he's alive. Yeah, because um, otherwise he would just be dead, I guess. It would just be yeah, his body would that just we be saw. Dead. Functionally, why would you show him yeah. alive? Unless the actor, unless I look it up and the actor famously doesn't like closing his eyes on camera, then <laughs> like... Um, you can die with your eyes open. <laughs> oh, fine. That actor's really crap at sitting still. You can't hold his yeah. breath for anything. Like, unless I see something like that, I'm going to assume that... If they went to the trouble of showing him alive there, then he must be alive. And even though Riley was in danger, I'm pretty sure Jade wouldn't have gone, sorry, Max, you're on your own, mate. I'm going to get back to the hospital. This was a trick. Oh, I save my... oh, yeah, i got to go save my brother. Um, and yeah, and obviously the final s- sequence is um, Mia like walking towards 
like a light or something that she's sort of going towards. I suppose yeah, supposed a to light represent comes that on, candle. The door opens, so you yeah. light the candle to open the door. So in doing that, in the hospital that is the spirit the spirit world, yeah. um, a door is open and we see the porcelain hand held out, and then we get a scene which is elsewhere. I, I think someone mentioned it might be in. It's in another country, maybe. Is it, and I is think this it's in the another country. Hand? They're not speaking Greece? English initially, are they? They they speak in Greek. I don't get there. Um, but yeah, obviously now Mia is dead. She's the spirit on the other side, and she's being contacted by some party girls who are playing the same game with the hand. And they say, "I'll let you in." That's the last thing they say. And I'll let you in. Yeah, I'm sure if I watched it another time, I bet you could even confirm that further by if you see the hand. If you're paying attention, would you see the one in the film? Is it a right or a left hand? And then is the one in the end scene the opposite? Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, see, I have seen it more than once and I did not pay attention to that. Oh, so right. I think, you have, I think that's a proper, <laughs> that's a proper when it's available on home video cassette, being able to pause it and look at that, right? That isn't something I think if you're enjoying the film, you could be like, hang on a second. Hang on. Yeah. But yeah, great ending. And, uh, that was that. That was talk to me. Extensively covered. Um, did you have any name game at all, Andy? Got a couple for you all. You ready? Okay. Ben, uh, do you we'll, understand we'll the explain... name, how the how the game works? Ben, have you got the rules? We'll explain it very briefly. I don't think there are official rules. We'll give you a synopsis to a film that sounds a bit like Talk to Me, but based on our clue, uh, you have to work out the title of the film. It's going to sound oh. very similar to Talk <laughs> to Me, and apologise in advance for. I'm going to say mine, not necessarily yours, Andy. I've got a good, a good quality one. Would you like me to go first today, Ben? Have you got the synopsis? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, synopsis is: when a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, they become hooked on the new frill. Well, I'll begin then. Speaking of hooked, um, after losing all of the the lost boys, Captain Hook decides that actually doesn't hate children and he adopts a baby. Now, just as the baby is adopted gets out of the crawling phase, he encourages the young child to preambulate himself towards his first mate. What's that film called? Walk. Yeah. First mate, isn't it? Walk for Shmee. Walk to Smee is what Walk the film Walk to Smee. Walk it. to Smee. For ages, I was like, what has this got to do with Captain Hook? What's Captain <laughs> Hook got to do with it? Yeah, walk to Smee. Okay, I've got one for you. Um, We'll try and make it a little, I don't want to say easier. I say mine are usually easier because I only change one word. Um, So, <laughs> a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using an embalmed hand, but it seems like they can only get in contact with the still living member Sorry, not the only still living, but one still living member of the cast of The Craft. The cast of The Craft, quickly Googles. She's also in Return to Oz. Oh. No, that's not her. (laughs) Oh, sorry. You can Google it. I was was about like, talk to... Christina Ricky? <laughs> no, it's not her. It's oh. her surname. 
or you could say her whole name. You've got, you've, got the, you've got the best shot what? at this, Becky. It talked to Bailey. No. Talked to Tony. No. Sorry, it's, it's the actress. Do you give up? Um, <laughs> talk to Skeet Ulrich. No. <laughs> what, what? <laughs> that was what I was about to say. <laughs> I did say the craft, didn't I? Yeah, the craft. Oh yeah. Talk to Neve. No. <gasps> And that's Dad, okay. Isn't Robin it? Uh, Do you give up? Yeah. Feruza bulk to me. <laughs> what? Oh, oh what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so my sorry. Goodness. That was meant to be easier, Ben. Right. Yeah, it was supposed no. to be easier. I thought. I, to be fair, you say you say the craft, and that's the only person I think of, really. Maybe that's just me. Yeah, that was the most obvious one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I said Return to Oz as well. It's Dorothy, isn't she? So, in this film, <laughs> after experimenting with a uh, with the severed hand of a sidekick at party of a sidekick at parties, several teenagers get a rare spiritual urinary tract infection, which means they can only go to the toilet while they're chatting on. Talk to we. Talk to we and also accept talk to P. Two very, very good. Um <laughs> two very good <laughs> versions. Okay, I'm proud of this one. So stick with me. Okay. Um <laughs> a group of friends discover how to conjure spirits using the embalmed hand of a painter of a deceased painter and decorator. Who, when you contact this painter and decorator, <laughs> will seal gaps and cracks in the walls around your house for you. Um cork. Yeah, uh, I mean, is it cork, cork to me, cork to me, or cork for me. Cork either, for me. Okay. either accepted. We're doing some <laughs> DIY. I'm all up in my cork. Sorry, Becky, you wouldn't have had a chance on that unless you've been DIYing quite as hard as I have been recently. I was stuck on deceased painter. I thought, how has this got something to do with Rolf Harris? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Rolf Harris in my list of deceased painters, I'd say he's pretty far down the list. <laughs> Imagine he turned up on the hand. Blooming hell. Chat roulette that one next. <laughs> to be fair, though, I'd love to have a deceased painter and decorated hand that I could talk. I'd get him to do, or her, do all of the odd jobs around the house. <laughs> just possess you while you're going all big and black eyed, just like, 90 seconds at a time. I Doing just the gardening. Give it back. <laughs> I, hate, I hate gardening. So if I could somehow talk to uh, Charlie Dimmock, it'd be perfect. <laughs> she's, not, she's not dead, though. <laughs> Yeah. She's not dead. If only knew any dead famous gardeners. Yeah, sorry. Um, <clears throat> any more, Andy? I've got two more for you today, Ben uh, and Becky. Yeah. So, next one. Meanwhile, over in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, to broker a um, to broker a peace deal with um, some blue-skinned aliens, Ooh. Tony Stark sends pig products to them. Pork to me? It's pork to something. Blue aliens. Yeah, they're blue they're blue skin aliens. Uh, Ronan the Accuser is one of these. Oh. Oh god, what are they called? Ronan the Accuser. What are they called? I Shmi, the... I keep thinking in my head. You've <laughs> they're, ruined they're it not, for me. They're, they're not the scrolls, they're the other ones. Scrolls and Cree. Yes, pork to Cree. <laughs> Jesus. Only one more, Andy. One more, yes. Um okay. after experimenting with a um 
with a ghost hand and having a lovely time chatting to members of the undead, William Shakespeare is infuriated that his parrot is ignoring him and he shouts in frustration what he wants the parrot to do. Squawk from squawk for it's very important that you remember that he's William Shakespeare or someone of that time period. What might they say to him? Squawk for thee, yes. You may have said it, Becky, but I think you cut out for a second, so I apologize if I just jumped in there. (laughs) We'll give Becky the point for that one, I think. Squawk for thee, yeah. He loved he loved parrots, old Billy Shakespeare. Is that it? That's it. There we go. Unless Becky, have you got any? But by all means, I have not. I like this game though. (laughs) It's a pretty good game. It's the best one. Best part of the show, Andy. We should just make it the show. I think. Well, let's just do as, it. As you pointed out the other day, Richard Osmond has a line of doing this on House of Games, and we've definitely been going. Yeah, I know. He ripped it off. I'm still fuming about that. Um, oh, okay. No, I, I will not have a bad word said about about him though, Ben. I think I've recently realised that back in the day, you might I might have wanted fame or success for any number of reasons, but primarily the only reason I think I would like to become a well known beloved household name is so i could go on richard osmond's house of games yeah and today we've got andy conduit turner inventor of the name game i can imagine that it'd be great um okay so all we got to do now is rate the movie a to f pluses and minuses are allowed so rate good or rate bad how are you feeling about this one becky i think we know i've got to say for me it's an a plus a plus i don't know if i'd say it's a plus perfect movie but to me it is like i think it hit every single point in a horror film that i enjoy like you say the mm. ghosts in it are the sort of things that scare me i think how they utilize them just seeing them very briefly i think the horror in it was really good the scares when there are sort of like jump scares how they do it as as if you were there as well the shock is felt yeah. like you see the reactions of the people around it they're reacting to it as you're reacting to it <coughs> and it keeps that realistic while also the horror of what the characters are going through in their personal lives and the horror in what's going on in the film it's just mm. you really earn the scares at the end you really earn those final scenes who going through the pain with them like experiencing it through especially she threw me like through losing her mom, through losing her friends, a support network. I just think it's such such an interesting amalgamation of all of its themes that all really pay off. And then it's not to mention like the cinematography. It's a beautiful looking film. The the acting mm. is just phenomenal when they are possessed. I think we touched on it briefly, but it must be so fun them getting to do that. And I think it's something you can really sense, but then they really do embody these other spirits that while we've never met them and we only see mm-hmm. them for a couple of seconds, we know who they are. We know who these different demons are from existing horror films we've seen, but then it never feels like they're just relying on these old tropes. It's using these things that we've seen before in a new package that makes it interesting. I think it's something a lot of films have tried to do and they don't necessarily hit it on the like the nail on the head like this film does it's definitely made by people who understand their horror history but want to make something that appeals to a new audience to bring those two old horror fans and new horror fans together i think every element of that just makes it like the review at the start at the start that you'd said the future of horror is in really good hands if taught to me anything to go by I mean, I don't know if I can add anything else to that. I feel like that is probably the best 
way of like summing up this film. Andy, would you give it as high praise as that? Yeah, um, I'm going to go an A for for me. I'm giving some room. I, I could grow into an A plus on this, but I've only seen it the once. So there are some bits that I'd like to go and see again. But for me, the person who will often say that content is infinite and time is not, there is so little that I ever watch multiple times, certainly multiple times within quick succession. But I would go and see this again tomorrow. Um, I really enjoyed it. Really, really high praise. I cannot add anything more meaningful on top of what Becky already said. Like all of those things are very true. Um, really loved the cultural aspects. I really loved all the messages and I really loved it was still enjoyable at a face value thing. So instead of repeating things that Becky's already said, I will ask you both a question. If you were to return to the world of um, talk to me, would you like to see Mia return as a spirit character in any meaningful sense? Or would you be more interested in just seeing a completely unconnected story? I think completely I'm unconnected. Sure a completely unconnected story. I feel like this was wrapped up nicely and I don't want to encroach on the ending that it had. Yeah. Yeah. So I, don't think, I don't feel like she's got unfinished business or anything like that. Just a ghost I know, she, now. I know she's died young, but you know, I don't think I would, she's got... I would I would happily see her as a background character. Like, you know, if you see any more of the spirit world, I would happily see her as one of the spirits you saw in there. I don't have to talk to her, I don't have to see her do anything. It would just be nice to see that, you know, a little bit of a hint to a connected world, but I'm with you. And equally, as much as I would go and see a sequel to this, and I would absolutely cheer and celebrate them making another one. Mm -hmm. I also don't think it's necessary either. Like if they just made this one film and they, the actors and the creators all went off and did something else and never went back to this again. Or even if they did uh, a conjuring and did like another mystical artifact in a completely in a world that exists in the same one where there's that same elements of the way the afterlife works really really great i think it's a fantastic Mm. opportunity there yeah yeah i think i'm just gonna agree with with that i think you put it you put it best becky with that descript with that analysis i think a just an a for me i think i usually reserve a plus for like my absolute favorites in the genre so i mean even it being an a as a brand new release i think is a huge huge deal for me definitely i thought i dealt with so many things correctly it was a good exploration exploration of grief and something that you know we see a lot in modern horror films grief being used as a as a sort of a a metaphor for something almost overly so right and i don't necessarily want to spend all the time slamming others but Part of the things that have driven my disappointment in some things is that it's a popular thing to cover right now. Mm-hmm. And if you go back a few years, I think The Babadook was very good at it. Another Australian film, coincidence. But, um, you know, then more recently we had Smile, we had The Boogeyman, mm-hmm. that touch on these elements and make a monster out of grief and trauma and so on. And both of those, I came away thinking... They, they, they have merit, merits as films, they have things to enjoy about them as films, but thematically I was left very quickly with the idea of, I've heard and seen this before, but this felt very new and a very fresh take. I think mm-hmm. it's interesting you mentioned The Babadook, I'd read earlier, that both of the directors had worked on The Babadook in like Yeah, sort of I think I saw that, one. yeah. And people from The Babadook had came into this, yeah. and I did think they were very, very similar, like very obviously influenced by The Babadook without it being 
yeah. a complete retelling. Because like you said, I agree, like the sort of use of grief can be quite almost overwhelming in horror at the moment. And it's not dealt with in a way that I think Talk To Me did with Talk To Me, even though it's it's very all-encompassing while also being subtle at the same time. It's all-encompassing mm. in the fact that it's very much focused on Mia and how she's dealing with it. But she's never really saying it out loud or talking about how she feels or anything. It's You very much get the sense that she's sort of a ticking time bomb in it and something is going to happen. She's either going to break down in tears or snap how the others did. Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's ever present and yet it's yeah. not talked about by anyone around her. There we go then. Brilliant. Um, really impressed. I'll be recommending this most definitely. If you haven't seen it, go and check it out as soon as possible. Think definitely see it on a big screen because the sound design was great and really sort of lent itself yeah, well. Go and see to, it on a big screen because it's great to see and because films like this should be supported. I want to hear. Usually yeah. I could care I couldn't care less when we see how much money a thing has particularly made. It's impossible to win at, at cinema, but I'd be very encouraged to hear that this has made a really healthy return on its market yeah. because one, it means as international film goes, we get to see more of this stuff get imported and these people get the attention that studios give people when their films make a lot of money and they get opportunities to make more stuff. Definitely. 100%. There we go then. That was Talk To Me. Thanks very much for joining us. Becky, where can our listeners find more from you online? Yeah, thank you very much for having me. You can find me over on Twitter at BLSouthWrites, where you can also find links to all of my work. As we said earlier, I'd work for Metro UK, Digital Spy, and then also smaller genre publications such as Film Hounds Magazine, Ghouls Magazine, and Moving Pictures Film Club, all of which you can find all of their details and all my work for them over on Twitter and over on their websites as well. Amazing. We'll put links to that in the show notes, of course. Uh, thanks everybody for listening if you enjoyed the show become a patron over at patreon.com forward slash horror hangout thanks to our current patrons including john crin and ben scaife stephen christopher toby miller scott rigby lane spencer ollie child leslie carlo julia bilgren nick spill troy burst rosalind harnies and pazuzu thanks to taj easton for our theme music thanks to Acast for hosting the show please consider giving us a rating or review and head over to the facebook group horror hangout board of advisors for more We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Just search Horror Hangout Podcast. You'll find us. And next week, we'll be covering Underworld. How exciting. There we go. Maybe a slight, just something a little bit different after this week's movie. Um, Don't don't know how much they're exploring grief in horror with when a (laughs) vampire versus lichen wars. Uh, It's got to be there. Yeah, they're trying to understand the true grief that happened when you mix a vampire and a werewolf ever so dangerous tell you what incredibly dangerous um but yeah looking forward to that kate beckinsale welcome back all right yeah there's five of those movies as well i looked at that today five underworld movies i was like what i thought there was like two at the most five jesus get ready for a marathon ben get ready for a marathon thanks again becky uh and thanks everybody for listening we'll see you next time thanks everybody bye go see this film (laughs) Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.